Hello, everybody. Ben Hansen here from Minmax. Just want to let you know before the show started that we recorded this before the fun, exciting new Nintendo Direct all about Mario's 35th anniversary. So if you want some reactions and discussion about that, you can check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash minmaxshow for our full reactions there. Okay, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Serial Vasquez. Hello. Kyle Hilliard. Hi. And Jeff Marchiafava. Hey there. Now we say that MinMax is a place about games, friends, and getting better. It's not a literal place. It's a um, a metaphor. It's an. It's a people. It's a people, the people in the MinMax community. So uh, if you're watching this, hopefully just if you're watching this, hopefully if you're listening, it sounds roughly the same. But if you're watching this, you might have noticed that I've entered a, a black void. I have moved out of the MinMax studio um, in a very much under construction uh, little mini studio. Um, so if you are at the Backstage Pass on Patreon, I gave a little behind-the-scenes tour of where the new MinMax studio is at. I have moved into this new house and kind of taken over the basement for MinMax purposes. And I've spent the last several days beating my head against a wall, um, trying to figure out all this stuff. And finally, I was like, you know what? Is one of those very liberating moments of yesterday. I just said, F it. I'm nuking what I thought I had planned and rebuilding it from scratch. And I feel pretty good about where it's at now. But obviously, uh, we are going to be dressing up the set behind me. And it's not just going to be the nebulous black void uh, from here until I mean, all I time. I like the black void. It reminds you of your heart. Prom night, actually. Ah, that's much better. Um, <laughs> but yes, thank you uh, to everybody in the Backstage Pass that gave feedback on uh, the set and the evolution of the sets. And I'm happy to answer tech like tech questions and stuff. That's what that Backstage Pass is all about. Um, Jeff, how are you doing, man? I haven't talked to you in a while. Doing good. We talked Monday. I guess for the Monday meeting, yeah. But uh, what's your life been like outside of that? Busy? Busy stuff other... Other stuff, building stuff, like a man does. Okay, interesting. What are you doing? So every day where we're not streaming or recording something, you're in your backyard uh, building the and then deconstructing. Lines. Okay. Anything yep. interesting out there? Uh, a bunch of tools, I guess. I don't know. It's it, been very nice out the past couple of days. I don't know if you guys you have building? noticed that. You're Bearing the lead, you're clearly building something. <laughs> I'm building a rocket ship. Uh, it's just I don't like call this close. I think it's like the thing where they finally dig down to that tunnel, like, oh my god, he's trying to build a UFO to get out of here. That's right. My God. Uh Kyle Hilliard, it's nice to see you. Yeah, you've genuinely not talked to me in, in a while. I wasn't on last week. That that is true. Yeah. What's new in your life, man? Uh, I got a new job. Okay. There's a lot to digest here. We haven't talked about any of this. Were you teeing me up for that? Is yeah, that absolutely. So first of all, uh, yeah. before anybody gets too worried, you are still a cohort at MinMax, yes? I will still be involved with MinMax, yes. As I like to say 3,000 times to everybody, MinMax is designed to be flexible. It's designed to work around other people having full-time jobs. But do you want to just yeah. walk through what happened and where you're going? Um. Yeah, so... I'm joining Game Mill Entertainment, which is 
a games publisher. They don't do any development here in Minneapolis. They're a Minneapolis-based games publisher, and they work with a lot of licensed games. Like they work with Nickelodeon a lot and make like they've got like a Nickelodeon Kart Racers game coming out and they've got a G.I. Joe game coming out and stuff like that. And I'm going to be joining them and doing like marketing and stuff like that and social media and that kind of thing. So if you follow Game Mill on Twitter, that's going to be your hot tweets. It's going to be the next Fall Guys account coming from Game Mill. Oh, yeah. I've, <laughs> yeah I'm just going to wholesale use all their ideas, demand that we get verified uh, based on sales. <laughs> Tweet like at that. Cyberpunk every day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's exciting. I think it's going to be like that perfect blend that you want from a new job of, okay, I know the industry. I know how to do this stuff. But then there's this whole other level where you get to kind of sink in the publishing world a little bit, right? Yeah, like it's 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 definitely gonna be a new career direction for me. I don't it's it's I can't say too much about it, not because of like secrets or anything. I just I don't know yet. I haven't started the job, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's gonna be there. Yeah, I think there'll be like a lot of you know information I can bring in with me with industry experience. But there's there's gonna be a lot for me to learn for sure, which is exciting and will be cool. Yeah. Um. But it also means that your other podcast, Gaming Ride Home, uh, is coming to an end, right? Yeah, already came to an end. It's and it's, it they were separate events. Like uh, I got the unfortunate news that Gaming Ride Home was going. I was my contract was not going to be renewed because I was doing like three month contracts, and they weren't going to be able to renew it because unfortunately, it just wasn't hitting the numbers it needed to in order to sell ads and stuff like that. Mm. And then the game mill opportunity kind of came, you know, like around the same time. Like the timing was actually pretty good it wasn't you know i didn't gaming ride home did not end because i had a new offer it was they both kind of happened at the same time so and it's it's a bummer because like i really was i liked gaming ride home a lot i'm really proud of that show yeah and it's too bad it had to come to an end but like i I, i'm really proud of the work i did i had a good time doing it the guys who run ride home media have been super awesome like through the whole process of bringing me on and even like breaking the bad news that they weren't going to be able to keep it going forward they gave me extra time to like finish it out and stuff like that so it was a really good experience overall and i'm i'm, I'm really happy with the show and how it came out ultimately yeah the daily news show is there yeah. one episode that you're most proud of like one if people wanted to dive into the backlogs of gaming ride home podcast at this point oh man i don't know i i yeah that's gosh i don't know i'd have to think about that i did i did some fun stuff during the last week like the last episode i did I shared game news, but I also did stuff like I talked about stats for the show. I talked about ideas I never got around to. And then the like fourth to last episode, like the Tuesday of the last week, I actually interviewed my friend Joel Moore, who did all the music for Gaming Ride Home. And so like we talked about I shared like all the different versions of the music I did and stuff like that. Um, so that's fun, but it's not really about video games. It's just more of like a personal, like, yeah, we, I got to work with my friend to make music for the show and here's how that process works. So that, that was, that's fun. Yeah. But there's also, there's a, an interview with the uh, Black Mesa devs. There's an interview with the Murder by Numbers developer that you can find on that feed and stuff like that. So there's, there's good stuff on there that I, that I'm proud of. Hang on. Am I nuts? Aren't the Murder by Numbers devs media tonic? The Fall Guys developer? Uh, Yeah. So it. You know, Mediatonic, I think, has a different groups of internal developers working on different projects. Right. Ed Fear was the director of Murder by Numbers. Uh, so I don't think he was involved with Fall Guys, but he does work for Mediatonic. And I talked to him before, well before Fall Guys came out. It That's was when right. Murder you put him on the map. Murder by Numbers came out. But it has been really fun to follow Ed Fear on Twitter and just like see him sort of be part of Mediatonic 
but not directly involved with Fall Guys and just watch Mediatonic just explode, you know? Like, it's, it's, it's been fun to watch him kind of react to that. It's been He's been cool. slowly inching his desk closer to the Fall Guys aspect of the <laughs> yeah, office. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Uh, Serial, you yeah. are a Destiny fiend. You like comics, yes? I'm trying I've been to... reading a lot of comics recently. It's it's been a resurgence in interest, more so than like, oh, I read them every day. I get all the weeklies. It's mostly like, Avengers is coming out. I'm gonna get, spend ten dollars on a Marvel subscription and read as many comics as I can in a month. Yes. So this is what I'm building to: is you are the perfect person to talk about the Avengers, the smartest in the land, and you've been playing a decent amount of it. Yeah, I'm. I I don't know how accurate it is, but uh, apparently I'm like thirty two, thirty five percent done with the campaign, which isn't crazy i i've heard reports are at around 10 hours or so mm. uh so it's maybe not a ton of time spent but i've i've been doing a lot of side stuff and kind of just messing around in like training mode in like the training modules and stuff but yeah i spent a decent amount of time with it okay great i've been um unpacking cardboard boxes and uh going doing mm-hmm. this a lot ah with my back after hauling stuff around so i have not yeah. touched avengers at all yet and uh, well what well, well, quick well like what percentage are you at yeah in, I, I think I'm still at like 14% somehow. I, I'm not oh, exactly okay. sure. I haven't. So you've been doing a lot of side stuff also. Yeah, yeah. I don't own it and I haven't booted it up, but I just feel that in my heart. Uh, okay. Jeffem and Kyle, you guys have also been playing? Yeah. Uh, Jeffem, how much have you played? Uh, Kyle's a, a frozen creep right now. Is that what's. <laughs> Kyle's going to kill us? <laughs> Am I? Okay. There he's he's oh. coming back now. One frame at a time. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, there he I, is. Uh, I'm, I think I'm a little bit behind surreal at this point i think it said like 20 or 25 percent okay gotcha um, and but a couple put in a couple nights at this point oh great kyle how much have you played uh it sounds like i'm the the least far because i hit this thing where I, I downloaded the game it's actually a surprisingly small download and i started playing i got through the big like opening sequence of the game where you get a chance to play as everybody and like and then it, and then it, like I was like, all right, you know, the story's kicking off. Let's go to the next part. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, all right, we got to finish installing. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't know you weren't done. I wouldn't have started if I didn't know you were done. But um, I mean, just to offer my 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 quick feedback, I, I actually kind of went in with low expectations and pretty quickly in the beginning, like I'm now more on board than I thought I would be, and just in terms of the campaign and the story. Yeah. Like I, and I'm I'm also just seeing on Twitter people are way more positive about the story than I expected. So like I'm. I'm. I went from like pretty low expectations to now very eager for that that installation to finish, so I can keep going with the story. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to you know set where we're all at. This isn't a full review of what everybody thinks. It's still early not, phases yeah. and everything. But uh, I talked to Leo after the Great Goaty Hunt stream, whereas Leo and Serial, and I was like, "Hey, Leo, how'd that Avengers stream go?" He's like, "That game's all right. I actually kind of like it." Uh, is that the consensus? Is after a lot of worrying, then you get to play it and it's like, "Oh, actually, I'm into it." Or where are you at with this thing, Serial? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm with the internet consensus of like, you know what? This game's all right. Uh, in, in that, I, I guess I was, because they had pushed this like, you know, long tail, it's going to be a destiny kind of game. Uh, I was, re- I was prepared for this to feel like an MMO tutorial for like, Hey, now we want to get you into this end game. Uh, and I think so far literally when that stuff, uh, springs like when that stuff comes up, it's like the the worst part of the game for me. But outside of that, I think uh, I'm surprised by how much I like it and how much this feels less like an Avengers game and more like 
a Miss Marvel game so far. Which you're very into. When you talk about reading yes. comments, you're talking or comics, you're talking about reading a lot of Miss Marvel, right? Yeah. So uh, I recently, like I, a few years ago, I started reading like the first few uh, paperbacks because they were on sale at Amazon. And I really like, I fell in love with the character. Like uh, G. Willow Wilson's run on, uh, for her was like, is really good. Uh, and so I went and started reading that. And then as you do with, you know, MCU, uh, you know, all the comics kind of very subtly point you towards like, hey, we're going to reference this event and tell you like, hey, this was in the Avengers, whatever, whatever. So I started reading a couple of other runs of like team comics she was in. Yeah. Um, so I'm almost caught up. I'm like on, I'm like basically at 2019, late 2019, early 2020. Um, but yeah, I, I've grown to love Miss Marvel. So like, I'm really pleasantly surprised by how much Miss Marvel uh, basically is the lead of this game. And she, I mean, she is the, fish out of water but like oh boy joining the avengers look at me go do you feel like this is just kind of like the early phases but by the end game or the second half of the game it's going to be less focused on the story of miss marvel here yeah i i could definitely see that because um because right now i am still you know i have uh i have i have hulk and i have iron man on my team i'm still getting the others um but i can totally see like once kind of her journey to like get all the other Avengers uh, reassembled that it's going to shift towards like, okay, now we have to stop the big bad. Uh, but who knows like how long that is going to last for, because it feels like a huge part of the game is going to be putting the Avengers together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like so far I'm really liking it. I, I hope that they don't kind of like say, all right, well the Avengers are together. Like no more, like, okay, you've done your duty, go away. We're going to, you, you know, it's up to us, the Avengers that you know um, to <laughs> defeat the big bad and Kamala's not going to be involved, which doesn't yeah. seem like it's the case. She's obviously a playable character. Um, she's also like, you know, by coincidence, like my favorite character to play uh, so far. Um, so I've been having a lot of fun. Like anytime you have a choice, I just end up going with her. Um, she's so, stretchy yeah. and big and all that fun stuff. Yeah. She, so she has like, uh, she like her ranged attack. Cause every character has a ranged attack. It's basically, she just punches really far, which is a cool, you know, projectile quote-unquote yeah you know. uh jeff what do you think of this thing yeah i it sounds like i'm cooler on it than everyone else um but i i have been liking it more as i went on the the first night that i played i was i was not enjoying it a lot and i i think part of it is the thing that everyone was complaining about before it came out of just you know we've spent like a decade getting to know a very specific instance of these characters and you know and also kind of their appearances and the actors who play them and right. and I totally get crystal dynamics wanting to do their own version of them but I think the problem is that you know like the Marvel movies did such a good job of creating those characters and giving them charisma and finding that right balance between reverence and irreverence and just creating these really great interactions between the characters that are really fun and memorable. And I feel like in all those instances, aside from Kamala Khan, I guess they, which, you know, hasn't been in any of the movies, but it, it just hasn't lived up to that. You know, like I'm, I'm totally fine with it being different, but it, it has just been less interesting at, at this point. Yeah, it definitely. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like they've iterated on those, like in the MCU, they've iterated on those characters. You know, you, you think about 
phase one Thor versus phase four Thor yeah. is like a very different character who, where they kind of figure out what this character needs to, to shine. And here, this feels like phase one Thor. And he's almost, it, it's that he's a hard character to like really do well and distinctly, but it does feel like, okay, this, this actor is doing the impression that sounds a lot like, you know, Chris Hemsworth's Thor. Yeah. But you know, that's the character in a sense, but it does yeah. feel like, okay, he's doing phase one Thor, which is we've kind of moved past at this point. Yeah, I think yeah. it's always that case of people, no, take it with a grain of salt, people give more credit to the characters than to the writing with the Marvel movies. You know, it's a lot of like, oh, of course Iron Man's great. That character's great. It's been around for so many years. Like, yes, there's a lot of characters that have been around for a long time and have stood the test of time and then just flop in a movie and don't come across well. And I think you can kiss the Marvel movies ass a lot and specifically it's a lot of the writing and specific directorial choices within the movies and I think instances like this remind you they're like oh that's right I think I like Thor but I just kind of like Chris Hemsworth's Thor yeah yeah and it's and it has it had that has really been true for all of the characters for me so far I, I do like Kamala Khan and I do I do think she's kind of the best realized character but I I also just am not into the like comic book nerd character filling in for my own comic book nerd fantasies of meeting all of these characters, okay. you know, that it, and, and I'm, I'm sure everyone at crystal dynamics is like, they're all huge Marvel fans. I'm sure. And they're, and this is like, you know, coming from a, a good plate, you know, a place of love and all of that kind of thing. But, it, but it, something about it feels very like kind of self congratulating to be playing a Marvel game where, this stand-in for me is basically telling me how cool all of these Marvel characters are all the time. Yeah. And like, and pointing out all the Easter eggs, which Easter eggs are supposed to be hidden. And that's why they're called Easter eggs. But you have this character going around being like, oh, that's that's the guitar that Pepper Potts gave Tony Stark. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And and like, that is so much of her personality in those opening hours that it's, it's very grating and just, like I want to, I want to learn more about her, and I'm, I'm hoping that as the story goes on, you know, she kind of gets over that fandom and just kind of becomes a part of the team because yeah. that's that's where she's really interesting as a character. Right. That yeah. is an intrinsic part of her character. She is like very much like you know the whole her whole origin story is that you know the the Terrigen Mist you know, turns her into an Inhuman, and she realizes she can like shape shift basically, uh, and she turns into Miss Marvel, who she's like a huge fan of. Uh, and she basically adopts the name. And so like that kind of, hey, I, I play a lot of video games, you know, like she's she's, you know, what is the equivalent of like a wow raider in her in her world? Um, and she like is very much a fangirl of these characters. But, you know, this is one of those instances where we have moved past this first phase of her, like, or at least like in the comics where she idolizes a lot of these heroes. But at this point, she's had kind of like rub ups against um, you know, Captain Marvel specifically and the Avengers uh, where she kind of splits off and like has disagreements with them and kind of stands up for herself as a, as a character and isn't just like, I will do whatever, you know, Tony Stark tells me to do because I'm such a fan of him, right? Um, so this does feel like this very like, hey, this is the intro of the character. She's a, a fan of these heroes. Um, and a lot of it has to do with, I think the, the writing in the comics, I think is very similar, but it comes off as less kind of gleeful and a little bit cor and less corny, I think because... The voice acting doesn't accompany it, right? So I think when uh, this character is speaking and she's very excitable, like it's it's hard not for you to to go like, okay, all right, calm down a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, it, it, it also doesn't help that so much of those opening hours are just focused on her and she's alone. So all of it mm-hmm. is kind of dialogue to herself, which I feel always drags down dialogue to begin with, where she's just kind of muttering all these things to herself and has no one else to play off right. of. Play so, off of so it feels more like she's talking to the audience versus like having these yeah. eternal monologues. I think l- later on you do get more conversations with uh, uh, Bruce Banner and Tony Stark, yeah. you know, um, and you, they, like their interplay, I think, is probably like some of my favorite moments. I don't know if you've come up against the scene where it's just I don't know if it's like supposed to be the cover for a loading screen, but it, there's literally just a cutscene of them driving of her and Bruce Banner just driving in an RV. And mm-hmm. it's I, I think it's there's no dialogue but it's her just like drinking out of like a big gulp equivalent silently <laughs> and getting to the bottom of it and then just kind of like shaking it because it's out and then them just kind of looking at each other and Bruce is like, no, like we're not going to yeah. stop her more. And then like, that, like it moves on from there. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that it's not just right. like, uh, we're just going to use this campaign as an excuse to really get you into these characters so that you go off and do, you know, the stuff that'll eventually get you to buy microtransactions for this game. Yeah. Right. I've, yeah. I have and, a quick and question and, and, about that internal monologue for uh, Miss Marvel that you guys are talking about. Mm-hmm. Does her voice, does her mouth move when she talks? You know, I, well, I mean, she's, she's saying all that stuff out loud, but, but when you bring that up, there was a cutscene where she was talking with Bruce Banner and, and neither of their their mouths were moving at all. It was it was oh. very weird. There, I just I, I've been playing Arkham City recently, and that was one thing that always is like Batman outlining his plans to himself. You know, <laughs> like is not really a very Batman thing to do. Of like, I need to go through these vents and up these blah 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 blah. blah. And then it, I, it realized when you swing the camera around, his his mouth isn't moving. And I think it's like a decent fix. For just like it, this is technically his internal oh, like monologue. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Like, I, but I don't know if is that the case with uh, with Kamala. No, Khan I here? I took it as she's she's just speaking out loud to herself okay. as she's discovering hey, all this. Look, stuff. sometimes you just got to think out loud, all right? It's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but in terms of gameplay, that that has also been the evolution where I think those first I those first couple missions have are very linear and kind mm. of and just kind of wrote in terms of what you're doing through them. And so as the first night that I was playing it, I just could not understand where they were going with that in with, you know, in terms of this idea of it being a destiny Two style mm. living game where you're, cause there's a ton of progression and everything built into it in terms of all the gear you're getting and all the skills and all those kind of things. But I, but none of the levels I had played felt like anything I'd ever want to replay at that point. Yeah. And then I finally got to a couple of them one, once you get like the war room up and running, where the levels are much bigger. They're kind of they're kind of more open zones that you go into, and they're and it, it felt a little more Destiny. And that was the point where I was like, okay, th- like this could be interesting, and this could actually yeah. be something that I want to keep going back to. Yeah, and you eventually like. Uh like a pro tip that'll give people who are playing is that if you press either, I think it's either up or down on the D-pad, you will get like this, like Witcher-esque, like, hey, here are all the objectives on the map. And you, once you get into some of those later missions, you do definitely want to start using that more frequently because it will tell you like, um, there's a mission where they introduce you to like the idea of there being kind of side objectives of like, okay, if you go into the stash and you figure out how to enter it, you'll get some loot. Uh, And those are just not like from that mission onward, those aren't telegraphed. So you basically have to use this ping thing to find like, okay, if you go this way, there's like a little platforming section and then a fight and then there's an optional chest you can get. So that you do benefit from exploring those levels. So it's not just like you're going from encounter to encounter to encounter. 
Yeah, yeah, and that that has made it a little a little more fun for me yeah. too. Yeah, but I, I think one of the things that you know, uh, it, like I think anytime this game rubs up against the idea of like, oh yeah, you want to invest in this long term, I, I guess that those are the parts where I'm just kind of like, I don't know that I do because like, I I don't I think I'm enjoying the combat, but it, I don't enjoy it so much that. I'm like looking for any excuse to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think once I beat the campaign, I think I'll have to have like, okay, how much into this am I actually? Because uh, there are all these progress, like they have a lot of resources that you're getting from just like uh, boxes out in the environment, which makes it feel like a PS2 game where you're kind of like, oh, run around, kill these baddies. And then like, there's a bunch of boxes with like bright green glowing objects everywhere. Yeah, they look like air conditioners or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, some of them are even just... on the walls too. Yeah, and you can just slowly walk into them, and then they just explode. <laughs> yeah, but you want to punch these orbs are going. Yeah, yeah, and there will be like certain ones that are like sometimes a chest will be locked behind these five, like these four or five gates or whatever that you have to punch enough times to like get them to open the locks and stuff. And so that feels very gamey. Um, but like I'm, I'm enjoying the action. I think I like the interplay of like, okay, you like Kamala Khan, for example, has um, her shape shifting power lets her dodge out of the way of attacks, and you know she deals more damage while you're holding the R two button. Uh, uh, Iron Man has this shield that he can be, basically use as a parry, etc. Uh, and those are fine, but like it doesn't feel good enough for me to want to do that all the time. To like, just I just want to keep doing this combat over and over. Um, so I don't know that I'll I'll get that far. And so like all the stuff when they're like, okay, well here's how the destiny aspects of this game works. When the game is like stopping to tell you explicitly, like, okay, you want to make sure you have this gear and this is rare gear, and you want to infuse it so that it's stronger. Like when those when it's kind of like telling you about those aspects of the game those are the slowest parts of me of like you like you have not invested me enough so far in the systems of this game yet to care enough about this mm-hmm. so i almost feel they should have been a little bit more hands-off and like just enjoy this fun ride and then hey if you want to keep playing here's how all these systems are going to communicate because uh where i've gotten i've gotten to the part where you you have like faction experience and you can do daily bounties for all these different factions um and like you know, they they tie into the world and stuff, but it does feel like you're putting the cart before the horse a little bit in like how much I want to care about this stuff right now when I just want to continue the story of reassembling the Avengers. Does it still yeah. feel structurally clunky? I mean, for a year now, we've been talking about like this feels like weird ingredients slammed into one experience. Is it just feel lumpy? A little, a little bit in that, like, the the main campaign, I think you, you can just kind of go through from campaign mission to campaign mission pretty quickly. Um, but, yeah, every once in a while, it, it's almost like every mission has, like, an interlude where they're like, okay, now we're going to explain more Destiny stuff uh, mm. at you. And then now you can continue with the campaign as normal. And yeah. I think for a lot of people, they're just going to ignore that stuff. They're like going to be like, I don't care about these resources. I'm just going to keep playing, and I'm going to equip the thing with the highest number. I'm not going to care about any of these, like, elemental resistances. I know you've explicitly told me about them, but I don't care. Um, and I think you can do that, but there's just going to be a lot of, like, okay, I'm clicking through these menus. I'm getting through it. Um, so I, I think they're but I think once you put that aside, I think you can just kind of enjoy this as like, here is a story-based game that you can just kind of see through from beginning to end without feeling like you're going to miss out on like the actual story if you don't do a bunch of endgame stuff. Or at least that's what I feel so far. Yeah. Uh, and that's and that those parts where I'm just kind of clipping through the story, I think I've been like surprising. I've been like pleasantly surprised by. I think in that uh, like I'm liking the, the writing. Uh, I'm invested in these characters. Uh, I think. Probably uh, Nolan North is probably my least favorite actor in this because I think he, it just feels like he's doing his Nolan North. Whereas I think Tro Baker's actually like going for something a little bit more subdued 
Um, and real quick, Nolan North is Iron, Iron Man, Man and Troy Baker yeah. is, is Bruce, Bruce Banner. Banner. Okay. Bruce Banner. Yeah. And uh so th- I think they're doing they're they're giving like decent performances, but like they're kind of weak. Um but for the most part, like I, I guess, you know, personally I'm really uh, surprised that this is a Kamala Khan game, which feels weird because they yeah. definitely were not selling this game as that. Well, yeah. I think they were. She was like the second trailer, and it's an interesting thing where, you know, even going back to the initial tease, it was her voice kind of guiding you mm-hmm. through what the game was. It just took them a little while to be like, aha, now we go Miss Marvel, you know, and really lean into that. But okay, so the big picture is better than we thought, but mm-hmm. worth playing? I still don't have... I know it's still the early phase, but Jeff, you're more on the nay. Sir, you're more on the yay. Is that a fair assessment? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I guess when I stopped playing last night, I was like, I don't want to stop at this point and I want to keep on playing more. Yeah. And, and that that kind of snuck up on me, I think, at this point. it is It is, you know, the gameplay itself is a little rough around the edges as well. And... And it it does. They certainly do seem to want to get people into the microtransactions and kind of the battle pass or you know esque kind of loop of addicting people to this. And like like Serial said, I don't know that that the kind of core experience is going to hold on to me long enough to get invested in any of that. Yeah, that that's clearly where they want this to be going, but. Um, yeah, I, I think this is this is kind of a case by case basis of what of how much people are going to get out of this. Yeah, part of I, me is like, how hungry are you for Marvel stuff right now? Because like, I I can't say like it's like, oh, you have to go out and get this right now. It's so good. Um, but like, if you like, if it's on sale, maybe I would say like, okay, maybe you can wait. It's on. It doesn't feel like the kind of trash fire that like a lot of live service games are right now, and that it, this feels like. It's not like the like the best like day one purchase, but it's like I don't I wouldn't feel if I had spent my actual money on this like I don't feel like I would have I I wouldn't feel burned by it so far. Yeah. But it's it, I I can't give it like a very enthusiastic recommendation, but I've I've liked what I've played so far. Yeah, it's funny you talk about being hungry for Marvel stuff, and it's like it is a hell of a window during the pandemic where we have until November before Black Widow releases. However, that happens if it does happen, and so it's like. You are getting the most starved Marvel fans at this moment right now. And I, I've been thinking more about it. And it's like, after moving uh, and having a couple very stressful weeks, like, I kind of want a game that maybe the combat's going to be a little bit repetitive, but I just want to punch things and watch numbers go up. I've, I found myself warming to the idea of playing this game more and more here. Yeah, and that's definitely what this game is. It's like, you, like the combat so far hasn't been super challenging. And if it, it, you can tone down the difficulty, so you can't just make it like pretty, you know, pretty basic. It's not like the combat is kind of in like the upper kind of brawler tier of like, okay, it's, it's, a, it's a little more interesting than something like a like your regular beat-em-up, but it's not yeah. Devil May Cry, right? It's not like yeah. the super intricate combo-based thing. It's just like you have your three abilities, you're kind of managing those cooldowns, but you're mostly just like mashing out combos and the enemies die. Um, there, there are some enemies that like have more health and will deal more damage, but it does feel like satisfying in that, okay, I'm just making my way through waves of enemies and it feels nice to do. And yeah. some of the platforming is, is all right. <laughs> some of the platforming's all right. The Avengers, everybody. Marvel's Avengers. Played on PlayStation, I guess, to get that <laughs> Spider-Man stuff. Um, where yeah, are you guys? Spider-Man coming out? It's next year. Yeah, I think, I think. they said early 2021, right? Yeah, I, I also feel like the more I think about it, I think he's just going to end up being a timed exclusive, right? 
I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. They haven't said. Who knows? Yeah. They've said there will be no more exclusives after Spider-Man. They've said that much, I think. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and it, it, this is also a game where I think you do end up getting a free upgrade to PS5. So, like, if mm. you if you have, like, the, the current-gen console versions will upgrade to the next-gen version. So, if you're really hungry for, for Avengers, I guess you can start now and then upgrade to PS5 at some point. Yeah, and I know data miners have mined out. It looks like the upcoming characters, and I guess we won't say it here, just because there's a spoiler, but... I'm very curious to see how they message some of those things. I guess we'll spoil mm-hmm. one, but I'm so curious, just in the most callous way possible, I understand that, about like how they message the Black Panther character at this point, mm. like with the passing mm. of Chadwick Boseman. Like, yeah. How do you think it's going to get a boost because of that? It feels so gross, but they can't lean into it. Like They're in such a weird thing. It's like, yeah. stay the course, message it exactly the same, and there's obviously going to be a different emotional reaction whenever they reveal that trailer. Yeah, yeah I wonder I if mean, you it can't... Would, it would, I was just going to say, it would, it would feel wrong to like hold Black Panther back as a result. Like If anything, they should elevate right. that character. You yeah. know, but oh. I see what you're saying. For Can sure. you imagine if he's exclusive? Like... Jesus Christ! <laughs> Exclusive to Stadia players. Oh my God! Uh, I, I they could maybe del- like kind of sidestep it a little bit by introducing him as part of like here's the character pack too that we're now like all these characters will drop on the same day and just kind of making like you know you're gonna get Black Panther but you're also gonna get this these other three heroes you know. Uh, on the I don't same think day. they would even before this. I mean that movie was so huge. I'm sure they're gonna yeah. have a huge standalone market individual trailer whenever that hits. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But uh, I mean, he should. The character deserves them, for sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, Kyle, how are you feeling about Next Gen at this point? Where's your hype meter at? Where are you at here? That's a good question. I mean, I'm definitely, like, uh, just anytime there's any... Like, when they, they recently had where you could enter your screen name on PlayStation's website to maybe get put into a lottery. <laughs> like, I put that my name in that as quickly as possible. Like It was I, so confusing, though, where it's like, hey, you know... We're trying to just enter your PSN name here, and I was waiting for some confirmation email. Like, does this mean that I have a PS5? What does this mean? It seems like they're just yeah. gauging demand in the it loosest, means you softest. You might get an email. I don't know. <laughs> like, I but like, it's there's a, there's a general frustration of not knowing date and price, which yeah. is like totally understandable. I agree. I want to know those things. I also understand that like Sony and Microsoft are probably scared to commit fully to a date at least because anything could change at any moment, you know, because of COVID. But like, I feel like the price they could share at this point without, you know, an expectation of change. I, I, I but like in terms of hype, like I'm less excited about like PlayStation five and Xbox series X, even though like I've fully plan on purchasing them. Like, I am less excited about those consoles than I was for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Yeah. Just because I'm... I, I, like, the thing that I can grab onto, I think, the most is I will play Spider-Man on PS5 on day one if I can get a PlayStation 5. Like, Miles Morales. And yes. that's, like, the thing I think I'm the most excited about. And even that's kind of, like, tepid a little bit. And know? I still am the conspiracy theorist that's like, I think that thing is coming out on PS4. And so how much yeah. will it impact it? But still... Ugh, I, I just, you know, it's that moment of like, oh, of course, next gen we're excited about. But you start to realize, boy, this is the worst sales pitch imaginable <laughs> from these folks so far. And then yeah. really, just a real gut check of, yeah, if I can buy PS5 day one, I'm going to do it, obviously, for this job. It, it demands that we, you know, stay up to date that way. But what am I looking forward to? They announced that Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart is going to be a launch window game. 
No, probably next year. Probably yeah. early next year. And so at that point, I'm, what am I doing here? I, I am excited about the one night that my kid and I will play Astrobot together. You know what? You're right. Like, that will be, be super fun. That'll be like fun. a one night experience that will be really cool. And then Spider-Man. And then after that, it's kind of like, I don't know, I'll, I'll put some PS4 games in there and yeah. see if they look a little better. You know what? That's <laughs> yes, so stupid, Kyle. You're totally right. I had that factored in that pack-in game of, you know, Astrobot playroom like that is going to yeah. be a fun it's night the with first new thing hardware. i will boot up especially if it's mm-hmm. pre-installed if i don't have to download it like that's that's the first thing i'll play for sure yeah. you know yeah. I, I also feel strangely invested because like i i the thing that i'm most excited about is playing destiny on ps5 because like <laughs> I'm, I'm a pretty dedicated pc player at this point but i most of my raid group is on ps4 so i have oh. to log into the ps4 and deal with like the loading times and the like the frame rates and stuff to, uh, all that other stuff, but like it, playing on PS5, if I'm playing it on upgraded hardware and it has crossplay with the PS4 version, like I can play what is essentially the PC version of Destiny, uh, hopefully, on my on the console with that raid group, and that's that that is weirdly the thing I'm most excited about for with PS5, which is not like if I end up not getting a PS5 this holiday season, I'm like, well, it's a bummer, but you know, I'm not gonna freak out about it. You know, yeah. you promise you're not going to freak out, dude. I, I, I swear, Scout's Honor. So on the PS5 front as well, there was a little bit of news this week, but it was uh, confusing and a bit of a bummer where there is a Ubisoft blog that explained that the PlayStation 5 will not be backwards compatible with PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, and PlayStation 3, and only select PS4 titles. That's still that weird thing of, ah, they've only tested 100, but it seems to be working okay. Um I, we've talked about it before in the podcast about how that's just become a conclusion that because of that patent and because of some wording from Sony every once in a while, everybody was fully banking on the PS5 being fully backwards compatible and that's going to be their huge haymaker. Because I remember even, God, oh, a year ago or something, after they first revealed that they were making the PlayStation 5, there's a lot of wording about like, well, the PlayStation 5's most exciting feature we haven't even re- haven't even revealed yet. And I think that was after the controller even they were saying that. So everybody's connecting that with the backwards compatibility thing. But I doubt a Sony executive would consider that backwards compatibility thing to be the most exciting. But nah. it's not exactly a nail in the coffin. You you know, it, this could be somebody at Ubisoft just explaining things, not knowing exactly the ins and outs of the PS5 hardware, but I doubt it. It's just the door has basically slammed shut i think guess we could say about the ps5 yeah. being fully backwards compatible which is a real bummer i mean i had did i had low expectations for that i mean yeah people i was really like yeah i was getting hyped up i was maybe 60 yeah. percent convinced this was happening okay yeah i mean ps4 I, the fact that ps4 doesn't play ps3 games it was enough for me to be like all right let's i'll i'll believe it when i hear it you know? Yeah, and 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 you know the explanation of that throughout the years has been like, well, the PS3 architecture was so different that it would kind of be a nightmare to try and mm-hmm. figure that out how how they're going to make that work. I guess I and I'm sure like I'm sure any executive can give you the numbers in terms of how many people are actually going to go back and play PS1 games on their PS5. Yeah, you know, like we we always hear that in terms of backwards compatibility is something that everyone wants, but that so few people actually end up using which which i think at, at least you know like if you're gonna do it it's probably gonna be a ps4 game anyway you know mm-hmm. i do or or a downloadable game from you know the psn network those kind of you know like a spelunky or something like that where you go back to but i can i can totally understand why 
you know, it didn't happen and why they wouldn't make that a huge priority to make it happen. Yeah, still a little bit of a bummer. But uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. In Xbox news, just to continue on this cold console war that's been going on for quite some time now, uh, they announced that, hey, Xbox Games Showcase happening at TGS, Tokyo Game Show, end of September. It's going to be exciting. And then Microsoft immediately clarified, no next-gen news at this <laughs> showcase. <laughs> What are we doing here, everybody? It's, it is just when like is, when is TGS? Uh, end of September, yeah, September twenty okay. fourth. And why? And why would you be at... talking about a new console like a month before it launches? And maybe they. Well, that's the thing. I was like, maybe they will talk about it, but just nothing new. But then even then, what would they talk about? I'm sure they'll show it, but they can't hype up any software at, yeah. for launch because there's there's nothing. Which yeah ties into well, oh go ahead jeff i was gonna i was gonna say in terms of of like mulling over next gen i kind of had this the opposite reaction of kyle where i was i was on you know i was pretty much resigned to buying a ps5 and then the other day i was like man you know like am i okay just not playing miles morales until sometime next year and yeah. if so then there's really just no point at at this point for me to to get one like i could play a prettier version of cyberpunk when that comes to ps5 but when it officially comes to ps5 instead of just yeah. oh you can play it on your ps5 yeah. but um yeah and i actually i put up a twitter poll from the minmax twitter account minmax show please give us a follow thank you um asking like where are you at for ps5 you're gonna buy one day one you're gonna wait and see and it was under 50 percent that we're actually going to try and buy one day one like a strong majority of that well a huge chunk of that pie was like i'm gonna wait a couple months which at yeah. this point, I don't know. I mean, it depends on Miles Morales being exclusive. I guess that is like the yeah. huge thing. And even that, they just say holiday 2020. They haven't even declared when that thing's hitting. Yeah, I mean, my yeah, I how, a... how much of that is new? You know, like I still want to learn more about Miles Morales because, you know, I will I will happily play through like a kind of DLC updated, you know, like, like uh, infamous first light kind of, yeah. you know, like updated version of it but i'm not going to go out and buy a buy an entire new console to replay you know like a slightly different version of a game that i've already played well as opposed to like a spider-man 2 if it if if it's that kind of technical leap then sure that's i'm much more excited for that but we we still just don't know enough about what this is to even kind of factor that into our purchasing yeah. decisions. Yeah. It does feel in a weird way like they're kind of taking for granted like the captive audience. Like it's starting to feel like when you go to a convenience store and you don't see prices on any of the items in the aisle and you're just like, well, I want this cold brew coffee. And then you ring it up and it's like, well, it's like five fifty, And it's like, ah, usually I can get it for like $2. But I, I'm already at the counter. I'm not going to put it. It'd be embarrassing to put this back because of the price. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, I guess I'll pay five fifty for this coffee. Yeah, and totally. Just, I won't. I won't get my Cliff Bar. I'll just get the coffee. But this is starting to feel like that, where it's just like you're going to buy it no matter what. It's yeah. like the closest place. Like, you, what are you going to do? Drive over to the supermarket instead of getting it from the convenience store that's like a block from your house? Yeah. <laughs> PS Five feels like a one. very specific metaphor. <laughs> that like coffee it, should not be that expensive. <laughs> yeah. If this is a lesson I, for anybody, it's them to lower the price of their coffee. Uh, there was uh, a Kotaku article. I, there was like an opinion piece that somebody wrote in about later. Um, just asking, like, hey, should they just delay next gen at this point? Is just, hey, the 
The party's over, folks. We're not getting together after all. It's not yeah. a terrible idea. I mean, no. but then again, what's Xbox going to delay it and wait for? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, the Halo and, and Infinite, and if, which is coming 2021 ambiguously, it could be holiday 2021. Probably yeah, will be. And I, I feel like it almost makes more sense for Microsoft to go ahead with it just because they have Game Pass. And mm-hmm. so, like, whatever other games that you're putting on it, if you can be like, well, you know, everything's going to load faster and look better on this anyway. Yeah. Like, maybe they don't need that tentpole Halo to sell people on it. But, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, the generations are such a long game anyway that I feel like both companies probably see less of an importance on, like, that first huge rush of okay, everyone's going to go out and buy it and they're going to buy a ton of software for it on day one. You know, like that that seems to has, have diminished over the generations anyway that I'm sure they're just like, yeah, let's just get it out the door. We'll start selling it. And, you know, if it's, if it's, it doesn't have to blow down the doors day one. Yeah. Because yeah. we're, we're probably not going to have the surplus of systems to sell anyway. We're probably going to sell out of whatever we can manage to yeah. get manufactured before the end of the year anyway. Yeah, I think whatever they make this year, it is going to sell. And I think at that point, they're just like, okay, we can have a quiet like launch where there's not a whole ton to go on and it feels a little bit undercooked, but people are going to buy it. You know, it's going to sell out no matter what we put on it at this point. And, you know, they can just kind of shake out the kinks a little bit along the way. And by the time, you know, people aren't uh, confined indoors all the time, maybe, you know, they'll have a solid lineup that'll make you want to buy it separately from the fact that it's a PS5. Yeah. What'd you guys think? Because... We just finished the deepest dive on Halo Comet Evolved. You can find it on our YouTube channel or in the Patreon exclusive podcast feed. Um, what do you think about uh, the story master himself, uh, Joe Statton, getting back and now working on Halo Infinite? He's called in as a project lead for the campaign. Where has he been up to this point? He's like been at Microsoft. So he's been okay. uh, kind of a Microsoft internal creative director where he just helps out different uh, games within Microsoft. Like, I think he was just working on Tell Me Why. Is that what the don't nod game is yeah just kind of yeah. overseeing offering insight from microsoft's point of view he worked on uh, recore a fair amount which jeff um, should i play recore at some point i've always been curious about it uh jeff no, is shaking his head vigorously i think they Sorry. they updated it i'm still I mean, jeff it. reviewed it i played the first like two hours and yeah. i was like really excited for recore like i was like i think this is gonna be great and like i it did not click with me at all. Yeah. So, yeah. Like going in excited about it. And it was like after two hours, I was like, I think I'm good. Right. But this, it's such a weird move to have this story push and like, hey, we got some real story muscle for Halo Infinite. Uh, a couple months from when it was originally going to ship. It's like, yeah. how many, how many coats of paint can he put on what they've done? Unless it means they're going to be, you know, uh, doing what I did to the new MinMax studio yesterday, but tearing it apart and rebuilding it from the ground up here. Yeah, that that was that was my reaction when I saw those headlines of like, oh, it is very late to be bringing in someone to fix the story. You know, yeah, like, are, but they're gonna do a bunch of like new dialogue recording and stuff, or like. But I think a lot of that story stuff has been loose, and you know, this is all from outside the house trying to peer in a window. I'm sure we don't know what's going on, but it wasn't that long ago, just last year maybe, where Aaron, um. Lindy, who was the lead writer for Battleborn, I met him on that trip. He went and was working. Very funny guy. Yeah, super funny guy. Um, but he was working on um, Destiny, and then he went to join 343 as like narrative lead 
at 343. And that was like last year. That was one of those things of like, wait, really? That big of a shakeup right now? Okay. And so, you know, we're piecing together these things that might not be connected. But I would love to know what this means, how much they're going to put Joseph Staten like in front of the press for interviews just to try and get that shine. You know, it's kind of like even when Terminator Genesis came out and they trotted out James Cameron to be like, James Cameron saw it. He liked it. You know, I wonder if it's going to be a little bit of that. I'm like, look, original Halo guy. Look at this, everybody. You like the flood, right? Come on back. Um, Also, a quick news. uh, The Xbox Series X, Microsoft tweeted out that it's a carbon neutral console and they tweeted out just a little tidbit that they have produced 825,000 units so far. So there we go. Yeah, they are and technically Wario being produced. Before shared that that number was actually had been shared like a few months ago or something like. Oh, that. is that right? Okay. A weird thing. It's confusing, and I don't have all the details. I I don't pay attention to game news anymore. Why That's right. Listening? You don't have a daily news podcast but, uh, anywhere. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to figure out this timeline because so many people are naturally freaking out about like. We're supposed to get the release dates on price at E3. What's happening? I'm freaking out. <laughs> we don't uh, even have a watch on. <laughs> ah! um, everybody's losing their mind, which is very natural because, yeah, I mean, the console release dates and prices have been revealed at E3 for so long. But I was thinking around, I'm like, oh, are there any instances where it wasn't? And this is a shocker to me. I didn't remember this exactly. But both the Wii U and the Wii had not revealed the release date or the price until mid-September. It was September 13th for both. So it's not unprecedented Mm. to still be in the dark. Obviously, it's bizarre that the two of them are here in the dark together waiting to, you know, come out from behind the curtain at the exact same time. But it's it's feasible. This is not unprecedented here. Sure, but that's also Nintendo. Like, Nintendo can do whatever they want. That's, yes. But there's probably some hard line. Maybe it is Nintendo doing whatever they want, but... Nintendo yeah. determined, Which, like, uh, September is the latest we can possibly push it, so maybe that's still, you know, mm. the Sony and Microsoft's mentality as well. By the way, if, like, you know, if Nintendo happens, if Nintendo has that Mario bundle that's yeah. been rumored for a while, coming out in, like, November, and, like, super optimistically, like, Breath of the Wild 2, it's like, they somehow win the console <laughs> war with a new console. What is it? It's yeah, absolutely ends up being that gif of like the Mario Party thing where Luigi just stands in place and all the other parties are just like <laughs> rolling around. They all just fall off and he just stand. They just stand there. Uh, speaking of Nintendo, though, uh, Toby Fox posted a few hours ago that he has no announcements for Undertale's fifth birthday, which is I guess today as of mm. Wednesday. Uh, and he says uh, no crazy announcements are planned for the day, but we're prepared. We've prepared a little something to show fans on September fifteenth. Which you know, it, them kind of, him kind of being tangentially involved with Nintendo stuff. It seems like people are saying, "Oh, that might be when they announce a direct." Because like their next big direct, not like their partner directs or their indie showcases, has driven people insane. I would say. Uh, so people are just looking for any news. But like, yeah, it yeah. seems like you I want love to talk about image. captive audiences. People yeah. looking for a Nintendo direct is maybe number one. I feel like every. Every fan of the gaming industry over the entire quarantine has been grabbing their monitor on Twitter and just shaking it, going, "Just tell me the things! Tell me the things! We have nothing else a bunch to focus of 3D on." Mario's will fall out the bottom. Yeah, just give me the direct, give me the prices, please, love of God. <laughs> um, speaking of upcoming news, uh, there's going to be another Ubisoft Forward, which was just not that long ago, um, and so they teased that they're going to be showing more about Watchdogs, uh, Watchdogs Legion, Hyperscape, Rainbow Six Quarantine big test about whether or not they change the name i mm. hope they keep the name why not it's timely yeah, not? it's not 
I don't think it's insensitive. It's not like Rainbow Six Pandemic. It's quarantine, right? Yeah. I mean, they could change it to Rainbow Six COVID-19, and that might be like, oh, yeah, hold on a second, be... guys. That's a bit much. But... Mm. Yeah, Tom Clancy's COVID-19. It actually sounds about right. Um, but COVID-19 then they... vaccine. Just just go for oh. it. Yeah. Just, just go for Max SEO. <laughs> Tom oh, Clancy God. has a vaccine? Give it oh. up, Tom. Uh, but then they also revealed, they just tweeted it out, that Gods and Monsters, that promising game, one of my most anticipated games of the year, that's now not coming until next year, that looks like a more cutesy, artistic um, Breath of the Wild meets Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, that it has a new name. Jeff, have you heard this? No. Okay, great. <clears throat> Do you like the name Gods and Monsters? Yeah. Well, then get ready for this. Immortals Phoenix Rising. Colon or no well, colon? You should. You should uh, now, okay. Jeff Phoenix. Yeah, Jeff, we got a colon. A, Nolan, double or trouble? What is your guess for <laughs> Immortals Phoenix Rising? Uh, there's a colon? No colon in Immortals okay. Phoenix Rising. Okay. At least in the tweet. Maybe they'll tweak it, but man, that name sucks. And Phoenix that is the name of the character. Sucks. It's like F-E-N-Y-X, so that at least is one aspect, but it feels like video game name generator 101 here. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like maybe if you did Immortals, that might be okay. I think if you did Phoenix Rising, that might be okay, but like to match <sighs> all three words together, I, I don't know. It does. It, it feels like more of a pitch to like, oh, this is like a, a product, a game for kids. You know, it definitely feels a little bit more childish than like gods and monsters. Like it feels like the name of a Assassin's Creed expansion pack or something where it's like, right. oh, you're going to you're going to be a super serious guy fighting all the gods and monsters, whereas it feels a little bit more fanciful. But yeah, that's not a name. You're like, it's like calling something like the secret of the crystal. It's like no one intrinsically cares what the secret of the crystal is, man. No one like j- just name it something that people understand. <laughs> what is that um, most forgettable film name of all time, Kyle? Just legend. Oh, you're putting me on the spot to come up with the most forgettable. Yeah, you you know what I'm talking about. Is it Legends of the Guardians? The one where it's like oh, the Easter Bunny the and Santa going on a date or something? What is it called? Oh, Rise of the Guardians. Rise of the. It feels like a Rise of the Guardians situation. Yeah, yeah. a movie I've with all, like with Santa Claus and the <laughs> Easter Bunny and all this. It's like Rise of the Guardians. Like. They have all the great IP that's public domain and they go with Rise of the Guardians. I've always wanted to see how those Guardians rose. Uh, you know what I just realized, Serial, mm-hmm. looking at this? Mm-hmm. Immortals, Phoenix Rising. Two of those are StarCraft units. <laughs> and Rising <laughs> basically is a StarCrafty <gasps> word. Um, what a mess. Um, anyways, next yeah. gen should be exciting. I'm excited about that game, though. I'm still God's Monsters. I think it's a cool name. Just I'm sure there was some legal mumbo jumbo, but who knows? Um, Speaking of genuinely, I think great names for games. uh, Last Campfire came out from Hello Games, the creators of No Man's Sky. Um, Who's been playing it? Kyle's raising his hand. Okay, Jeff and Kyle. Great. Uh, So yes, creators of No Man's Sky. This is a subset, a little indie team within. Hello Games uh, as like three developers that came over from Frontier, developers of a bunch of Sims. Uh, uh, what is that roller coaster tycoon stuff? What was that Planet Coaster? Theme? That's the name I was thinking Planet of. Coaster. Yes, Jurassic World Evolution stuff like that. Um, but I guess it's like the team that made Lost Winds a while ago came to Hello Games, released the this Wii indie game? game. Yeah. Oh, I could totally see that. Doesn't it feel okay. like it? Yeah. yeah. Well, 
doesn't really feel like it, but it certainly looks like it. Yeah, same art director, right? So yeah, Last Campfire, yeah. it's a sad little adventure game. Uh, Jeff, what do you think of this thing? Uh, I've been I've been enjoying it. It's yeah, it's kind of a thoughtful puzzle puzzle adventure kind of game. Thoughtful is um, in tough puzzles or just emotional? No, yeah, kind of emotionally and. Um, you know some of the metaphors and things that they're going off with the what the character is going through and all the other little characters you meet and stuff like that it, it seems like it seems like people who who have gone through a midlife crisis or something were kind of put a lot of a lot of their musings into this game a lot about mortality yeah okay so it should have been called and, mortals and what the hell you're doing in your life and and things like that oh the last mortality that's right yeah i mean kyle do you like it yeah, I like it a lot. It's um, it does it. I mean, we can talk about its relationship with No Man's Sky a little bit, but in terms of just the core game, like the way it sets it up is like you you enter an area and it's like, all right, there's like eight puzzles in here that you need to solve. So look around, see if you can find them and solve them, and then you can move on to the next area. I think you can even move on to the next area without solving them all. But it I just I, like I, I yeah, but I don't want to. You know, obviously, I I, I want to solve all the puzzles, but I just like that like that just that small area that it gives you and it's like alright find the puzzles in here we're not going to give them to you one after another but you go seek them out and you can go find them on your own and it's yeah. just like there's a nice voiceover and it's it plays well and the puzzles are like I think designed to be actually kind of easy in that in a way that they're mm. satisfying and fulfilling without being too brain bendy you know yeah yeah and kind of finding where all the puzzles are is kind of a puzzle in its own right in terms yeah. of which is a fun. lot of exploring and kind of very light adventure kind of mechanics. Yeah, like you, you need one thing to give to this guy, which opens a gate to get through there to find the next puzzle. So yeah. it's, yeah, and it's all fun to do. Yeah. yeah. So it's out on everything, including Apple Arcade. Does it feel kind of like a port of a phone game or just kind of big UI? Is there any indication of that phone connection? Uh, you can use the touchscreen on Switch, and oh, that's the only indicator I've seen. Otherwise, it, I would not have guessed it was a mobile game in any yeah, way, no. personally. Either, either, me neither. Yeah, it's that fun thing of, I think, with this game, everyone's like, what? Hello Games releasing this little indie game like Last Campfire? It's like, yeah, it goes back. They're the Joe Danger team at their Joe core, Danger, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's fun, like, I read an interview, I think it was on Eurogamer, uh, with the team and Sean Murray over there at Hello Games, and, you know, they're talking about, like, yeah, we want to get back to that fun era of making games where it's just super mm. small teams making bizarre little projects like Joe Danger which was their series before No Man's Sky and it turns out that these developers actually were the ones that ported Joe Danger to iOS and that was their initial connection yeah. um, and maybe it's obvious yeah, I mean, but it, I didn't realize it, that like Sean Murray said that Joe Danger he's like yeah it's fine on consoles and PC but that I guess like the iOS version of Joe Danger was the one that like brought home the moolah oh Oh, so yeah, he's not talking like creatively because I've played that iOS version. It's it's a decent runner, but it's like not as good as the console version. Right, right. Yeah, in some ways, like it feels like because I I don't really like No Man's Sky. I don't think it's a bad game yeah. by any means. It's just not my sort of style of game. And in some ways, this feels like almost like the Hello Games sort of. Uh, offering something to me you know like it's like oh you didn't like no man's sky but here's like a, a sort of response to that it's very directed it's very specific puzzles there's a yeah. very specific story to go through it's not there's no random elements to it you know 
it's like a different visual style. It's it's much cuter, you know. But even though it does have a dark sort of tone sort of happening in the background, because it is like Jeff said, it's like about mortality in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so it's like it in in some ways it feels like them sort of being like you know we're fully capable of doing stuff other than No Man's Sky. Like we've known that, but maybe other people don't know that who don't know their history with Joe Danger and stuff. Yeah, like that. and they they call it a Hello Games short. So I hope they keep doing this. I don't know if it's a matter of bringing yeah. in more subsets of teams within Hello Games, but I hope there's always a slice of Hello Games that's releasing funky little things. If they put this branding on it, I would hope that they would continue to, you know, keep this scale moving on because I guess there's 25 people now working at Hello Games, working on something new. Uh, Obviously, sustaining No Man's Sky is also a fair amount of work in there, but I remember interviewing Sean Murray at GDC last year um, and he was very in the know and was like, I can't talk about it, about next gen hardware at that point so i always wonder like if they're partnering with sony or microsoft for some other you know game that explores their procedural tech because i think i think he even said in that interview that he wanted to like keep working obviously in the procedural tech and just kind of get a clean slate on the tech alone because i think even the no man's sky engine is just so much legacy stuff that and they've learned so much imagine them starting from scratch now with next gen i think it'd be awesome yeah, and and they they had some kind of initiative too that was kind of funding projects that deal with procedural generation That's as right. kind of like a spin-off a spin-off thing that they were doing and then I saw an article on IGN where they were they had Sean Murray quoted as saying that they're like the the next project they're working on is as big as like a a no man's sky sized game not necessarily in terms of like creating a universe but another like big and right you know ambitious project like that so. that's super exciting yeah hats off to them for releasing something like this um i mean where are we at kyle do you think there's any chance it'll crack your top 10 or how are you feeling about it oh that's a good question i mean it's certainly i, I want to finish it i think i'm maybe like halfway through i'm playing on switch um but maybe i i, I like there's not a lot of story to it but i yeah. think that would be the thing that would really make me really fall in love with it is like if as i'm going forward like the story gets more substantial it kind of like it feels a little journey-esque but with more specific plotting and dialogue but yeah potentially yeah i like it okay. it does it does feel casual you know and i don't mean that in a damning way it's just it's not like a game that i like can't wait to play it's like oh yeah i'll go i'll go play a couple puzzles there put it down come back to it a little bit later you know yeah uh jeff i'm, I'm assuming you didn't watch gamescom's opening night live with the the holiest of holies, Jeff Keeley. I did not. No. Okay. Um, you know, it wasn't the biggest stream. It was it was fine. Uh, you want the highlights, though? Absolutely. Uh, number one, they had, I think, a genuinely fun video of Crash Bandicoot, like the, the full guy in the, in the Crash Bandicoot suit, walking and running around the Gamescom Convention Center. That was completely abandoned because the joke was like he accidentally went to Gamescom, but it worked, especially like knowing that space normally when it's overflowing with hundreds of thousands of people just to see like this ghost town and crash in there. It was very fun. Um, Star Wars Skywalker saga, Lego Star Wars, not coming out till spring 2021. Uh, That dead speak. (laughs) The dead speak indeed (laughs) to finally say a release date. That project is a weird one. There's something going on over there. Um, they showed off a uh, new action clank clank gameplay, but as everybody in the chat was screaming at us, it was like 70 to 80% what we had seen before, but still looked good. Uh, still, it's super exciting to see. Um, 
They had a Dragon Age Vidoc showing behind the scenes a little bit, kind of revealing that that game's still pretty early, a lot of like gray box, stuff like that. Um, they revealed that uh, Ford is designing a car for gamers, Jeff. Um. Ooh, finally. It was the weirdest thing in the world. It's called Project P1. This stupid car. And the best is that it was like revealed during the pre-show, which was hosted by dear friend of the show, Kyle Bossman, formerly of Easy Allies. And so like he knew exactly what this was. He's like, next up, we have a reveal of a new car from Ford for gamers. And he just like holds a little bit before cutting to it. And like just that editing and that little smirk was just perfect for how stupid this thing was. What is uh what is gamer about that car? Serial. You are gonna sound like a fool when you look at that car because it'll be like, yes, me I'm Googling okay. gamer car. Yeah. Well, specifically Ford Project P1. Okay. Yeah. And hang on, if people watching the video version of the show will get to watch your eyes regret your question and take it away. <laughs> that looks like a graphics card with wheels. Gamer is hell, baby. Gamer's <laughs> got a game. <laughs> um, but then the highlight of the entire stream was, Jeff, there's this game called Teardown, which I'm genuinely very excited about, but from a studio called Tuxedo Games. Not too much about them. But voxely, very small voxels. Oh. Did you see this? I, I I saw a trailer for it. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think I'm PC gamer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It looks awesome where everything's fully destructible. You're like driving cars through houses. They're all exploding. Just destruction porn like crazy. And then it turns out it's a heist game. So you're trying to steal things and then get the fastest line out of there to your boat to get away from everything we can tell right now. But it looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And looks looks surprisingly like the graphics look surprisingly good despite being you know, little cubes and stuff. Yeah. Cause they also do, they mix in kind of more realistic effects with like fire and things like that. Right. Right. Uh, I cannot wait to play it. It's genuinely one of most, my most anticipated games right now. It's rare to see that little trailer for a new game and be like, Ooh, I want to play that. I've never seen that before. So Teardown is the name of that one. Um, let's see, Kyle and Surreal. Yes. Uh, you guys played the new control DLC. Yeah. A W E. It's not just called AW? I mean, it's all caps. It stands for something, like a, an alt, Altered uh, World uh, Event. Altered World Event, which was something in the core game. That wasn't, you know, and then there's the A.W. Allen Wake element of it. But Expansion. Okay, so yeah. there you just you let the cat out of the bag. So they've been promoting it subtly on this front that it does finally connect to the world of Allen Wake. There have been teases before. Uh, how much do you want to say? How much is a spoiler? What do you think of it? Give me the rundown on this thing. Uh, I like it. I played Foundation. Sir, you did not play Foundation. I did not play Foundation. That was the last yeah, Foundation is solid. It's just more control. This felt a little more... I like this more. I like AWE more. It is more control in the traditional sense. It doesn't like change the gameplay radically, but it does force you to play with light, which I think is thematically fun with Alan Wake. Like There are instances where you have to use telekinesis to like pick up lights mm. to shine them on like black goo and stuff like that. But I mean... Yeah, we. I don't want to spoil too much, but like, there's no question that Alan Wake is like in that universe now. Like, there, she even Jesse even says stuff like, "Oh, Alan Wake, like that's that author that really disappeared a few years ago. That's that's weird." And you'll find recordings of people. There's like one guy who got in trouble because Alan Wake was in the oldest house, and he tried to go talk to him to get him to sign his book. And there's like a recording of him getting reprimanded. Like you can't That's go so fun. To talk to people about this stuff. And then there's, 
And there's even more than that. Like, I don't know if that treads into spoiler territory. Probably but like, does. Let's just record Alan a separate. Wake is 100% in the control universe. No question whatsoever. Characters from Alan Wake, you know, appear. That's stuff like that, amazing. So. Let's record a separate yeah. Max spoilers, even just a quickie, yeah. like actually revealing what's going on here. But the DLC, I mean, is it fun? Cyril, did you have a good time with it? Uh, I, I was okay. Like, I, I think I like Control a lot less than most people, but this felt like, okay, they're, they're doing what, you know, Control does. Uh, I like the, the shift to, towards the light mechanics. Um, it feels uh, strangely like, okay, we need to put a DLC together, so here are, like, three side quests that don't mm. really go anywhere. Like, you have Ati, I think is his name, the janitor, has, like, three tasks that we're like, okay, go destroy more mold, go uh, clear up these lights, and I think there's, like, one other one uh, and those don't really get you anything as far like those aren't really interesting to to do and like the the fights I think for the most part are you know control fights where it's like you're fighting paramilitary guys who can teleport around and it's fine like I, I guess like combat wise I didn't really get much of it get much out of it but in terms of like the the Alan Wake stuff is definitely like the the center here it kind of um, you get some like story bits that are it's like more than just like the diary entries it's you know the main thesis of the game but it felt like, okay, you're going to go left, you're going to go right, and then you're going to go center. So it's like structurally, it's not super interesting. But learning about like, okay, here's how this other game collides with this game, which is as someone who thinks one of the high marks in cinema was that time in Inland Empire where they entered the room from rabbits. Uh, I'm very much into these like uh, unexpected crossovers. Um, but, you know, like if you like control like that, there's this is like what, exactly what you probably wanted out of a DLC. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And if you like Alan Wake, too, like there's there's reasons yeah. to play for sure. Yeah, yeah. I will also say... Walking Land Empire and Rabbits. Those are <laughs> both good. In typical Remedy fashion, this is kind of one of their, their things now. You know, they're really good at third-person shooting and storytelling. Uh, the end boss fight is probably harder than it needed to be. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's, a, that's a Remedy, man. Yeah, so for more on that, we should have a separate uh, Max Spoilers video on our YouTube channel. You can find that there. Um, Kyle... You checked out this game called Windbound that just came out. Yeah, I played it a little bit. It's um, it's kind of, like it. This is like really high praise that I I don't know if it possibly earns, but like it looks like a cross between Breath of the Wild and the Disney movie Moana. <laughs> you know, like that makes me run out to buy this game. Media. <laughs> so it's like, like that, the, but then uh, it's a crafting survival game and a little jankier on the edges. Is that the takeaway? Yeah, okay. yeah. I haven't played it too much, but like I liked, I liked what I I played. It's just like you build up your boat. You know, you build a boat, then you expand the boat, and then you can use the boat to travel faster between islands and collect things. And you get it's got a cool art style. Like it's got a really good art style, and like uh, it feels pretty good to move around. I I haven't played a ton, and and okay. I I didn't die a lot, which is like that's kind of like the the important element of those games, right? Like survival games like that. Like, is is dying fun? Does it really hamper the experience in a big way? And I got pretty far without dying, which I think speaks highly of it, mm -hmm. maybe. But like, I I don't know how if it, at a point where I died, I don't know if it would really just make me go like I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. But you know, two hours in, I want to play more. I'm eager yeah. to play more. You get a paraglider, which was like the reason I wanted to play it. Like it looks a little like Breath of the Wild, and then you see in the trailer there's like a, a shot of the protagonist. She jumps off of a cliff and pulls out a paraglider and starts gliding. And I'm like, well, I have to download this. Like it's a requirement. <laughs> I like that paraglider versus like 
procedurally generated survival game. It's like, well, that evens out. I gotta play it now. I've I've crunched the Kyle it. numbers, I wanna, and I'm I actually be, I love jumping off of high places and not dying. That's the best. <laughs> Speaking of barely any jumping, actually a lot of jumping. Bo, uh, battle toads. I don't know, Kyle. Do you want to talk about <laughs> battle toads? Yeah, I. So I played a bunch of battle toads with my kid, and like I ended up having a like similar to Marvel, like. A better time than I expected. Like I, I, th- I think like you read Joe Juba's review at Game Informer. And he, he hated just, it. He really hated it, and <laughs> and uh, and maybe that set my expectations at a nice low bar. But right. like, uh, I, uh, I, we had a good time with it, and I like the sense of humor of the game. Like it, it feels like a like a sort of like maybe like a step below like a modern cartoon show, which is um, otherwise like known it. as a Saturday morning cartoon show from the nineties. Like it feels very yeah, much comedically it, at yes. that level. Yeah, well, it, real, real quick, what are the name of the Battletoads? What's the name of the Battletoads? Great question. Pimple, Zits, and uh, some other Rash. gross thing. Dingleberry. Rash. There you go. Oh, there we okay. go, yeah. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, it's also, like, very self con Like, it knows exactly what it is and the idea. Like, the whole premise of the game is that they've, like, you know, were, like, in some sort of virtual reality thing for, like, the last 20 years, and now they're just trying to, like, figure out how to become heroes again. It's... It, and it totally acknowledges the the sort of the leg the weird legacy that Battletoads has of being this like old video game, and I like the new setup for the um, the uh, the the hover bikes. Like it's mm. it's a, like the camera's behind, and it's all about like dodging, um, just dodging left and right and jumping. And like my kid and I like really got into it, and it was hard, but we had like a really good time like making our way through it. It feels like a rhythm game almost like. I don't know. I just ended up enjoying it. Like yeah. I was, it was goofy and it was it was fun to play with somebody else, and I had a good time with it. I, I think we might even keep going with it. Okay, I'm confused. I heard that it doesn't have local multiplayer. Is that true? No, I played local multiplayer. Okay, that's what I assumed. So I'm so confused because somebody yeah. said that Crystal Chronicles only has online multiplayer. Oh, that I believe is true. Okay, yes, and Are then we... Battletoads does not have online multiplayer. I think that was the flop. Okay. Okay, that's uh, that makes sense. I don't know I, that wouldn't that would surprise me in the in the fact that it's like it should have online multiplayer. But if I tried to play online with somebody else and I couldn't, I would be like, oh, I guess that's not the end of the world. Well, it's such a but, weird... yeah. No, we, local multiplayer is totally available. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Great. 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 Uh, it's such a weird production for Microsoft to have like the rare logo in the beginning. It wasn't rare that did full development on this game. It was another studio. I forget their name. Um, but. It's that weird thing of like Microsoft has been promoting it enough, but not like getting behind it in a big way. It kind of feels like what the last campfire was to Hello Games. <laughs> this is to Microsoft, but like, yeah, it's a Microsoft game, but you know, it's it's a, it's a weird it's freak like the project with Game it. Pass game where it's like, yeah, oh, I guess I'll download that and check that out, and then like maybe you download it and you never play it, so you don't generate opinion about it. But maybe you really love Battletoads and you play it, and then you tweet about it. <laughs> Well, I feel like that's exactly what they want, right? So 100%. You download it so it counts, but then not have an opinion on it. Don't talk about it ever. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I guess my big takeaway is like I had more fun with it than I thought I would. And I'm not like a big Battletoads fan. I never really played Battletoads growing right. up. I don't like beat-em-ups. I don't like that genre. But there's enough being mixed up in here with like there's t- little puzzles now and then and like and the and the sort of the hover bikes are, are fun but very challenging. Yeah, that, like, they I'm, try and I'm like engaged and yeah. have a decent time with it. They try and complicate the gameplay by like, ah, there's a bunch of combos you can kind of unlock those and like the visuals are like okay, 
It seems like it has a lot of style, but still a little budget around the edges. But the studio is called yeah. Dalala, by the way. D-L-A-L-A Studios. And it's one of those things, it's like, it's half the fun of doing a combo is just seeing what weird animation they do. Because it's yeah. not just like they do, they like su- suddenly turn into a robot for no reason. Or like turn into a Viking. Like it's so that stuff's weird and interesting, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Inexplicably. Okay, so if you're playing with your daughter, you'll have a great time playing Battletoads. Is that the takeaway? Yeah, mine specifically. Okay, great. That sounds fantastic. Sir, do you know how this whole thing operates? Patreon. Patreon.com slash Wins. Thank you so much, everybody, for your support. Uh, Continuing this journey, uh, letting us be flexible. Uh, We have a fun week of content coming up. We have a new episode of Refreshed on Adias' show. Uh, It's back this week on Thursday night at 6 p.m. Central. So if you're listening to this early, you can jump in on Twitch, twitch.tv slash show. Give us a follow, please. You can jump in and talk to Anna while recording Refreshed live. Otherwise, that archive will be up the next day on YouTube and then also in the Patreon-exclusive podcast feed if you prefer the podcast version of that. But Thursday is going to be a big night for us because Refreshed is at 6 p.m. Then at 7 p.m. sharp, uh, Jeff Cork and I are streaming a new episode of our self-improvement podcast called Better Quest, where we take calls from $20 supporters. So if you're listening to this, watching this early, and you would like to talk to Jeff Cork or myself and just set a personal goal for yourself for the month of September, uh, you can support us at that $20 tier, MinMax Council tier. You also get Backstage Pass, which is the $10 benefits, which is watching all our shows live, uh, behind-the-scenes content, fun stuff like that, watching Leo edit his videos live. Um, But, yeah, we look forward to hearing some new voices on BetterQuest this month. It should be a fun time. Uh, We each set goals for ourselves every single month, and this time it's going to be an interesting one. There are some stories to share about how these goals went, and we're adding a new wrinkle to the structure, to the meta of BetterQuest, so please tune in for that. Also, thanks to everybody that tuned in last week for the celebration of Tony Hawk, for uh, watching our streams on Twitch with, you know, Leo and Blake ranking every Tony Hawk game, or myself and, uh, you know, my best friend Ronnie and Grant, Chef from Snacks, where we streamed a bunch of Tony Hawk games to say goodbye to the Oldman Mac Studio. You can still find that archive on our Twitch channel, so please check that out. Also, this week, we have uh, an interview with a science journalist named Sarah Scholes that's about UFOs. Like, a couple weeks ago, I took a little bit of a deep dive myself into UFO world because I love UFOs. I have ever since I was a kid. But with the New York Times and with so much other stuff, it's just a lot of confusion about what's real, what can I believe, what is going on here, is it all smoke and mirrors, is anybody to be believed... Um, and Sarah is a perfect, skeptical, informed voice on explaining exactly like, well, you know, Harry Reid had some corrections for the New York Times after certain quotes went live in that article. There's qualifiers to everything. So if you want a good, honest portrayal of what's actually happening happening in the world of UFOs and UFO research and aliens, all that fun stuff, you can check out that interview on our YouTube channel. Uh, also, thanks to everybody that supports us at the Wall of Heroes tier on Patreon. That's a $100 tier. Uh, we are going to include you now, not on a CRT in the background, but actually on the screen rotating through. So front and center. Um, and those are going to shuffle for the new month once all the Patreon payments goes through. So it's not going to be the first of the month going forward. It's going to be about a weekend whenever that shuffles through. So please look forward to your new image there. If you supported us at the $100 tier and you haven't given us a new image, please send one our way. We'd appreciate it. Hey, look at this. 
Thank you to these folks. One more plug. Captain Stubbs won. He says, hey, MinMax family, I'm back with a new project this time. Have you ever wondered how bad Fallout 3's lockpicking is? Or how often you should be changing the keys on your home? Come on over to the Ask a Locksmith podcast, where all these and more are answered. Every other week on all major podcast apps, I sit down to answer the burning questions sent to asklocksmithpod at gmail.com. I'd be happy to answer yours. Everybody, please send any lockpicking, locksmith, lock questions to ask a locksmith pod at gmail.com and help support Captain Stubbs One because he helps support MinMax and keeps this indie trainer rolling. Also, thanks to GamerBox. They say orders for September's GamerBox are now live. This month, we are celebrating Dota 2, Serial, Mario Kart, That's the second one. Kyle, <laughs> oh. Overwatch, and Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Jeffem. Ooh. As always, oh, that, is, I, I, Jeff, I'm not playing Valhalla this year. I'm playing that. Oh, that's so. right. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, anyways, GamerBox says, as always, there's a guaranteed autograph in every box. Enjoy Boxes. Halo Infinite. <laughs> <laughs> Boxes remain in pre-order. Please restart the ad, Hanson. I'm sorry. I just had to get that in there. Okay. GamerBox. Boxes remain in pre-order until <laughs> September 15th, but you don't want to wait. There's only 2,500 available. You can order by going to thebambox.com. That URL, one more time, Jeff, um, is... Bambox. Thebambox.com. You got it. Uh, also, thanks to I Am 8-Bit for all of their wonderful support. Uh, they want to let us know and let everybody in the MinMax family know that if you go to their store, the I Am 8-Bit store online, you can get a sweet Japanese import of a Cuphead two-disc CD set for everybody that doesn't have a record player. This is a two-disc CD set of Cuphead, one of the greatest games of the generation, including 12 variant tracks and two completely new, never-before-released tracks. It comes with an exclusive booklet with archival Cuphead artwork and never-before-read liner notes, so please check that out, and you can go to their wonderful store and use the promo code MINMAXSHOW to get 10% off everything in their store. MINMAXSHOW is the promo code. Thank you so much to I8Bit. Uh, thanks to I8Bit for supporting MinMax, and you can support MinMax too by submitting a comment or question for us to read on the show. Help make the show better in more ways than one. Every week we choose the question of the week, and then I8Bit ships out an amazing prize from their online store. And this week it is The Messenger, the vinyl soundtrack to The Messenger, which is a game, Jeffem, you enjoy quite a bit. I do. Well, great. And is it not a great soundtrack, my liege? It is. No, it's super good. It's super good. You can get it on vinyl. And you will get on vinyl if you are the question of the week. So let's dive into comments and questions people posted on patreon.com slash minmax2ends. Tim Laro has a killer question saying, what's the best way to implement story DLC? Some require that you complete all or most of the games, some shoehorn material within the story, some are completely separated. I prefer the completely separate model as it requires nothing from the player. I've been playing Dead Cells lately and it's annoying how I keep encountering the DLC only door over and over. Yeah, that yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah, I think the the completely separate is usually the way to go. Uh, I think I really like the way The Witcher Three did it, where you from the main menu you can literally just start the DLC, uh, and it'll just give you like a properly equipped character um, that just has like you know the base armor, but level to play that DLC, so you yeah. don't really have to worry about it. And um, for especially for a game like The Witcher Three, where it's really intimidating your first time if you want to spend that much time with it. Being able to say, like, you can just play Hearts of Stone, and it's, like, a really quick expansion to get you into the Witcher uh, universe, and doesn't have a ton to do with, like, the base game, so it can't just be, like, this is your first uh, Witcher thing, and then you can go back to the main game. I think that's probably the ideal way to do it. As long as it's not, like, shoehorning something into the middle of the story. Like, that yeah. always feels... I don't like that. Yeah. 
Where it's I think like, to... wait, I'm supposed to go. My, the mindset I need to take now is to like go to the middle of the story where I don't quite know exactly where this fits, yeah. and I have to figure out what characters know and don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think I uh, from software usually is the worst about their DLC stuff, where it's you, you, like they not only gate it in the middle of the game so you, even if you beat the game you have to go back through the game again but there'll sometimes be a thing where it's like oh in order to access the dlc you have to basically solve what is like a wiki puzzle in that you just read up on the wiki of like okay you have to go to this location and then you open this door and then you use the key and then now you can start the dlc uh no good. which is yeah which is not fun yeah who needs it uh the champ writes in and says what's with all the hate regarding avengers microtransactions all the current cosmetics are optional and does absolutely nothing to impact the game Avengers also announced actual story mission DLC with cutscenes during the war table. Isn't that awesome that it's free? Remember Borderlands, Destiny, and other games announced paid DLC before launch? Were people angry? Destiny's next expansion is, what, $50? And don't they still have a marketplace on top of that? Uh, what do y'all think about this? Um, was it overblown, the amount of hate regarding the Avengers microtransactions? I mean, I, I think it's an ongoing thing. I, he brings up great points about you know, those kind of things, funding free actual gameplay DLC yeah. kind of things. But it is, it is always a bummer to buy a game and then start that new game and then immediately see this whole shop of other stuff that you have to pay to also unlock that stuff. And I think that just never feels good. And, and, and at least this way, you know that that is helping fund other stuff that's going to be free for everyone, you know, allow the game to continue going. But it, I, I think that's still just a hard pill to swallow in a game, in a game where you're still paying upfront for it. Yeah, and I think with the uh, Avengers case, it's uh, maybe like a compound kind of annoyance where people just see the, uh, the things that you are paying for, which are cosmetics, as things that are like tied to the thing that people don't want that game to be which is like you know this long tail game where people just want like a story based thing yeah um so they see it as like this reminder of like oh yeah by the way you know like this is like a this is like a destiny or like this is supposed to be something that you care about about enough to buy cosmetics for these characters and buy currency and things like that so it just feels like as, a, as another reminder of like you should also care about these other aspects of it you know they're like care about these e ecosystem for a game that where you didn't want there to be an ecosystem there to begin with. Yeah. Sir Phobos writes in, Salutations, you magnificent Min Maximilians. That's us. While watching some Avengers gameplay, a question popped into my head that I'd like you fine gents to weigh in on. Do the Avengers get paid or use a government credit card? They have to eat and buy other necessities. Does the government flip the bill? Are they getting a paycheck? Or do they just get stuff on the house because they're the Avengers? Does, does Tony Stark fund most of it? I think that's what it, I think somebody even replied to this and just said, I think it's just Tony Stark money. But yeah. they, help me with this, Kyle. There is some joke about this somewhere about getting paid. It's some superhero film. It might be Teen Titans go to the movies. It might be Deadpool 2. I remember at some moment there's a joke where they talk about like, are we even getting paid for this? And I just love that idea of a superhero bringing up like, what the actual practicality of joining a superhero team is like. Yeah. I don't know. Because, yeah, you were talking about it in Slack, and it yeah. does seem like a Teen Titans Go joke. And, I mean, Shazam, he was, like, you know, Ooh. doing tricks on the street for money. Yeah. Maybe that's but, what I'm thinking of. It's some it's some film like that. Oh, but. wait. You know what mm. I think? This is a, this is a, this is a <gasps> deep pull, but I think I might know what it is. Maybe. they So, Into the Spider-Verse... 
Ooh. Uh, they released a... The, you know how they have a joke about Spider-Man did a Christmas album in the, yeah. in the movie? Well, you can listen to that album on Spotify. Like, there's like four songs that are actually sung by the different Spider-Men. And one of the jokes is, is Miles Morales being like, please uh, visit my Patreon or whatever. I, I, don't, I have to pay for my own web fluid, so please help me out with this. <laughs> I don't get paid for this. Yeah. I don't know. Because I've like, listened to that good. soundtrack a lot because the, the songs are catchy and it's fun. Yeah. But like, I don't yeah. know if you would have or if that. But there's definitely, a, he specifically says, I do not get paid uh, as being Spider-Man. Um, so please help idea. me out. Yeah. In that Isn't song. there like a, a small thread in the Spider-Man game where he's talking about how at some point all the Spider-Man stuff got merchandised? Yes. And he was making money off that somehow? That or like is, he, ooh. he was questioning how he was making money off of it? God, I wonder if that is what I'm thinking of. I feel like there's a movie I mean, too, into though. The, into the Spider-Verse, Burrito Spider-Man has like a, a joke about like having a themed restaurant that fell through very quickly right. you know, like in his montage of like i got married we got divorced i invested poorly in themed restaurants <laughs> oh, that movie is so good this is I the best that. movie uh, right. which is funny uh, like also in in avengers they specifically talk about how the the bad guy uh basically buys out tony stark industries after kind of like the fallout of their failure in that a-day thing so it's like they're your first one of your first tasks is to figure out how to get the Avengers base up and running without any money, basically. Oh, that's fun. Uh, so like because Tony Stark no longer has any of that money. I like that. I'm always a sucker for the really advanced tech, but it's kind of a scrappy version of it. Like even in the Gotham Knights reveal, I love that they did like, OK, you can use the Batcave, but it's a bunch of like leftover old equipment. Like it reminds me of. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, obviously the best Mission Impossible. I like the idea of like, okay, you have a bunch of amazing tech, but it's all kind of falling apart because you're no longer with, you know, the organization here. Uh, ben Van Houten says, hey guys, hope everyone is well. Thank you, Ben. Whenever people debate about what makes a good open world, the things often tossed around are side quests like Witcher or free roam exploration like Breath of the Wild. But I think there's an unsung factor, strangeness. After stalling in the third act of Ghost of Tsushima, I went back to, Jeff, unplug your ears, Red Dead Redemption 2 and was struck by how unrelentingly strange the world was. He then lists all the cool Easter eggs in that world, which I won't spoil for Jeff because he's getting to it at any second here. Yeah, um, really close. Uh-huh. <laughs> Blah, 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 blah. I found all this to be far more compelling than the chirp of the golden birds of Tsushima leading me to a place that I can reasonably predict the content of. Maybe it's just a scope or budget thing, but I didn't realize how tired I was of exploration in Tsushima until I went back to Red Dead 2. Do you have any preferences for the weirdness of open world games? Yeah, there, there is something to be said about unexpected discoveries. Yeah, yeah I think surprises yeah. are kind of what you want out of like, you know, the idea that there is a reason to explore that world beyond like, mm-hmm. okay being told what to do whereas you know in the witcher you can find side quests out of nowhere like that aren't on the map until you get really close to them and they're like oh this is a surprisingly like fleshed out thing that i found like what a surprise versus you know zelda is like the surprise is like oh you know here's this like this giant door that i can't break open and here's a giant a bunch of snowballs everywhere like i wonder how those two things work and but it i think ends there's up being a, like this puzzle that you're putting together and it's like a nice surprise i think there's a difference between surprise and what ben's getting at here which is weirdness you know, I guess yeah, I guess I'd have to see like specific examples of what he means. Uh, by, he's like, talking about some things. of the more supernatural elements that are like teased in Red Dead Two at moments, stuff like that, right? And I think I, I mean, think, there's definitely like like seeing something in the distance and just being like, "What?" 
is that? I think Breath of the Wild has some of that of like, I don't know what I'm looking at. Whereas I don't know how often in Ghost it's like, what is happening here? I think there is, I think that's an important element. I think he's right. Yeah, I think just, yeah. yeah, I think that 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 can affect like a surprise. It's just like this is really I did not expect this here. You know, like when you find a like in The Witcher, where you find a quest that like feels like oh, this is just supposed to be this random area, but what I found here is way more than I was expecting, and it's going in this weird direction, right? So, like that that kind of strangeness can come from a uh, like various different sources. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't think those two things are the, as far off as you think yeah. they are. I, yeah. I think like weirdness is another level of surprise where it's where it's you're you're just questioning a larger thing of oh i wasn't expecting this and now what is this kind of thing right right devin rarden writes in says with the fall guy season two announcement in mind will you be sticking with the game for the long haul or are you already getting bored with it what would the game have to do to keep you interested i kind of already got bored with it yeah, I've tapped out. I tapped I've, out. I've bounced quickly. off. Yeah, I, I played one game, got second, and did not play it again. Wow! But <laughs> hey, season two they announced a, a medieval theme, which is funny because like Jeff Keighley throughout that entire opening Gamescom opening night live thing was just teasing like, oh, you guys aren't going to believe this Fall Guys stuff coming up. <laughs> oh, he's just cracked himself up. Then they finally get to it, and it's like. Yeah, you can put a wizard hat on one of the Fall Guys. It's like, what? I, okay, I assumed that was already in there. It's the least yeah. crazy. Talk about lack of weirdness. Jeff I, mean, I think maybe just like all new games. Like when you log in, you will yeah. 100% encounter brand new games. I think that would be the thing that would make me come back. Well, and there it's are not, new games. Yeah, okay. Yeah. See, I mean, it's not even that like I think the game's like bad or like not worth playing or anything. It's just like I, 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 had, t- I had fun with it. I I got it, and I was like ready to move on to more sort of fulfilling experiences, you know. After that, you know. Yeah, since they're so inspired by Rocket League, what's your guys' guys' prediction? Do you think it will have anywhere near the tail that Rocket League has? Do you think it's going to be a much steeper drop off than Rocket League just because of that skill factor involved? Yeah, yeah, I would predict so. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it'll I be mean, as intense. Yeah, yeah. It, it's hard to look at it as a sport the way that. Rocket League is kind of funnels into that like competitive sport element where right. yes you 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 can get better as you play it whereas this you know yeah I ran and and jumped in that swinging mallet didn't hit me this time so you know I I, I think I think they definitely <laughs> need a lot more more content and more themes and and you know other other content-oriented stuff to keep people coming back yeah. to it. I'd and imagine they'll probably have theme games. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'd imagine they'd also have a, like uh, seasonal events where it's like, hey, for we're, here's our holiday event that is only available during the holiday. So if you want to play the holiday games, you know, yeah. make sure to log in during November, yeah. December. Yeah, so. I think that'll be really fun. Um, let's see, what are some good holiday games they could do? Like some sort of sledding thing around Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Um, snowball some sort of yeah. snowballs. Mm. They they can if they start early enough, they can do like some some weird take on trick or treat. I don't know. Like That's right. Halloween costumes. Mm. The boulder for Easter. Uh, I guess looking just at Twitch, the numbers have. I mean, it's impossible to say number one, but right now it's sitting at one hundred sixteen thousand, right in between GTA Five and Dota Two. So still obviously amazing company. But yeah, I mean, even if it drops pretty significantly, like. 
I think that game just has exceeded expectations so incredibly that like even if it just drops off in a huge way, it'll still be doing better than they ever expected it to. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Hang on, what is happening, you guys? There's a game called Among Us, which somebody actually wrote in about that's like a social deception game. It's at 200,000 viewers. Is it one person? Because usually it's like, you know, Lyric or Shroud or someone and like playing one game and that's like the main theme, the, the main stream that's propping that game's numbers up. Mm, mm. It's Denzel Washington. Yeah, he's playing. Oh, wow. Oh, oh he's on Twitch now. Yeah, cool. he's good really good. Um, Aiden writes in, Dead Island had a unique control option that allowed the player to lock their view with the left trigger and then adjust the angle of their melee weapon by pulling the right analog stick and then flicking it in the opposite direction. It was awkward at first, but allowed for nuance and control that a button press couldn't give. I haven't seen this kind of game, this kind of control used in any game since. Have there been any unique control schemes in games that stick out to you, especially if they haven't been copied by games since then? I think of um, the Xbox game Advent Rising with this question, because like, and I've seen some people try to do something similar, maybe even beforehand people were trying to do something similar, but like, you know, it was a shooter, so you could like shoot with the the left control stick, if I remember correctly or something, like it was auto-locked, but then the right control stick, you would actually like, do like a telekinetic blast that you could uh, flick. So like if you mm. if you just kind of pop the control stick up, you could flick it in different directions. So like there's a lot of cool sequences in that game where you're running and gunning, and then also with your you know the in-game character's right hand, you're like blasting you know telekinetic blasts and like flinging enemies off the side of ships and stuff like that while you're still shooting. Yeah, and it felt pretty good. It, it was it's pretty cool, and I haven't really seen anyone try to emulate it that closely since more flicking is that the takeaway flicking flicking yeah. good uh i sometimes i think about like that um if, if you guys remember playstation home there was that uh that bowling mini game where you would take the i have a xbox controller but it's for pretend it's a dual shock mm-hmm. where you would take the triggers of the uh controller and kind of i hold can't them suspend like my disbelief serial it's just not working sorry I'll, sorry I'll try to hide the xbox logo and you would use the motion control to like basically kind of do that and yeah. that the releases when you let go of the ball. Oh, okay. I remember thinking like that's a really creative use of motion control to replicate uh, bowling, and I don't think I think that's the only time I've ever seen anything like it. Uh, the, uh, like uh, spray paint in Infamous, you could hold the controller sideways and shake up the controller, and then you would put your thumb on the control stick to spray paint. That was fun. It's so silly. What fun? Um, bucket of Jello writes in. Have any of you sold or traded in games or other stuff in order to buy a game? Hmm. Uh, ben Grant and Ronnie talked about Legend of Lagaya during the Tony Hawk Twitch stream. Follow us on Twitch, please. Um, which brought a he- healthy dose of nostalgia for me. I traded in all of my Pokemon cards at a store in West St. Paul called Shinders, which was enough money to drive to Funko Land down the road to buy a PS1 and Legend of Lagaya after watching a friend play it. <laughs> no regrets! You can never have a regret about playing Legend of Lagaya. One of the best. By that, I mean. B tier RPG, but still one of the best B tier RPGs. One of the best B tier PS1 RPGs, hands worst down. Worst A tier or best B tier, somewhere in that distinction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how about you all? Do you have any memories of trading stuff in to get to other games? Oh, I mean, like basically late high school, early college, it's basically how I played games is I would just yeah. buy a game and try to beat it as soon as possible so I could trade it in for another one, which is not in the long term a good model, but I didn't have the money to do anything else. So uh, I have a bunch of games that I've played but don't have. Which is a bummer. Yeah, I, I mean, was always I, tr- I trade a lot of games and I still eBay a lot. Like I, I tend to buy physical games just because 
I can sell them on eBay if I really don't feel the need to keep them. Really? So. You sell stuff on eBay in the year 2020? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Still around. How much stuff do you sell on eBay? I don't know. I got a couple things listed right now. I mean, it's like, cause like, really? I just like will purge often, like in the house, just get rid of stuff. Yeah. And it's like, well, I can take this to Goodwill. Well, this actually might be, have some value. I'll, I'll put it on eBay. And if I sell it, I ship it. If I don't, I take it to Goodwill, you know? Um, in throughout your entire life, how many things have you sold on eBay? Hundreds. Hundreds. Thousands. Yeah. Hundreds my wife and, and I, hundreds of thousands. Yeah, I mean, my wife writing? and I used to be like huge video game collectors, like huge video game collectors. And when we were um, pregnant and getting ready to move to Minnesota, we sold off like 60% of the collection on eBay, you know? So, huh. yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, is it that uncommon? I don't know. I, I, eBay <laughs> is such like a weird relic. I probably bought stuff off eBay in, you know, 2004 or something. Yeah. And I feel I like I have much on eBay, I will say, but I sell a lot on eBay. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Jeff, what's your eBay ratio? <laughs> I I think I bought one thing on eBay one time. Okay. 20 uh, years ago. And <laughs> and it was that toupee? It it was a video game. Um but I can't remember can't remember what it was. Killing it. Bob Beal writes in. He says, "I have an experiment for you CLCs. Close your eyes and imagine you are playing. Jeff, your eyes are open." Oh, sorry. Close your eyes and imagine you're playing with little green army men toys outside with a niece or nephew. And you have to pretend like your toy is shooting. So you need to make pretend machine gun noises with your mouth. Okay, now here's the test. Okay, can you guys take out your headphones? We're going to go one at a time because we don't want to pollute each other for what sound we're making. Ready? Can we open our eyes now? Yes, eyes open. Okay. Okay, so I'll go first. So everybody okay, take out okay. your headphones. These are my default. Wait, what are we? We're, take we're your trying headphones to make machine gun sounds? Yep. We're just going to go one at a time so we don't pollute each other. Okay. Okay. My go-to machine gun noise is... <laughs> I guess they can see. <laughs> they can see my mouth. Okay. Um. Now, uh, just Jeff. I'll do it. Okay. So, so yep. no. No headphones for you two. Okay. Jeff them. Machine gun. Ready? Yeah. Okay. All right. Way better. It's pretty good. Okay, sir. Uh, Kyle or Surio, put it on. Okay, great. Now, Kyle. Okay. Uh, so, little army men, right? Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap, that sucked. Okay, and Surio. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's like, you know, uh, gun coming out of a pillbox like in normandy <laughs> i think it's surreal by a mile i'm sorry i mean All jeff right. by a mile uh i'm sorry to yeah. get your hopes up surreal that sucked actually it sounded very good just wasn't the machine <laughs> no. gun that i was thinking it was too beefy you know it mm, was like, okay. well, I like I, a, mine was a heavier machine gun yeah i like yeah. a creamy this is more like gun. a tommy I, I i didn't hear it so i don't know what <laughs> jeff give him a taste of that sweet machine gun very good. It's kind of an it's SMG. Good, good. Anyways, Bob Beale says, I asked this because there's a social theory that I firmly <coughs> believe in that everyone's sound effect they would make for playing machine gun noises is unique to them. Whether a rat-a-tat-tat or a deep dup-dup-dup or a bzzz noise. I, can't, I don't know. These onomatopoeia. Everyone does the noise differently. None of them right, none of them wrong, but totally unique. I find it so fascinating. Yeah. Well, yeah I, I mean, you, you should, like, from. when uh, the way 
different languages emulate animals, I think is really interesting. Like, mm-hmm. isn't Japan, I think Ribbit is like Karo? Karo, Karo, Karo. Right, Kero, 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 which sounds which about, is like, right. It just yeah, lets you know the meow nyan thing, kind of. Right? Yeah, yeah, it is yeah. interesting. I agree. Yeah. yeah. It turns out this we're all just picking up the ball that was started rolling a long time ago, and nothing really sounds like anything. In fact, <laughs> everybody, I don't want to freak you out. Nothing really means that much either. It's almost like a construct built on thousands of years. Oh, okay. Fine. Okay. Heavy. Uh, Spencer Botine. I, I guess that's what's, what's happens when you're suspended in a void. <laughs> I've had a lot of time to think about esoteric concepts. <laughs> oh, man. It is the sweet part of moving, the only sweet part. I have destroyed my podcast queue. I have like, I'm talking Dragon Quest 11 levels of like almost nearing the bottom of my queue. There's been so much time packing, unpacking, moving of just listening to podcasts constantly. What are you going to do when you, if you ever run out of podcasts to listen to? I have to record a new one for MinMax and then listen to myself. <laughs> just start <laughs> talking to yourself and hosting a show and not recording. <laughs> uh, Spencer Routine says, cohorts, do you focus on one game at a time to play or do you rotate through two or more? I find I play a couple at a time of opposing styles. For instance, I'm currently juggling between Cuphead and Spiritfarer. Oh my God. Well, there's a lot of death in that in both those. <laughs> I think I think two games is the right juggle. Where do you guys stand yeah. on how many to play at a time? I mean, I, 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 I just, lately I have one console, one Switch. Is kind of like usually mm. where I'm at. You know what I mean? Something lighter on Switch, something heavier on console. Because are you like playing Switch. the Switch in your little bedtime when you have your little cap on? Yeah. Or if the, if if everyone else is watching something on TV, you know, I'll pull out the Switch and, and play. If it's something I'm not interested in watching, you know. Yeah. I play a couple at a time, and I just keep rotating them out without ever and beating any of them. Is the <laughs> we've noticed. Yeah, we've <laughs> certainly noticed. I, uh, yeah, I, I'm usually, uh, you can always assume that I'm playing Dota 2 to some extent, but uh, huh. usually it's beyond that. It's about two, one or two other games, yeah. Would you ever want to stream Dota 2, Serio? I'm really self-conscious about it because I used to be, I used to be like way better than I am now where mm. I just play the turbo mode, which is like the mode for babies that goes by a lot faster. So I haven't actually played like serious Dota in a while. So I feel really self-conscious about it. Okay. All right. That's fine. Um, Alfredo writes in, he says, Hey cohorts. Oh, by the way, is everybody still playing spirit fair? Where are we at with that? Um, I, well, I, it got taken away from me because uh, <laughs> both, my family, like they ended up playing it and Ashley beat it and got all the achievements and Claire's Jeez. still playing it. So. Wow. She, then so she I, deleted the file and said, you can never play this again. Yeah. I thought about grabbing it on Switch to have it as my Switch game. That seems very good. Last game fire. Yeah. Out, so. uh, I, I want to get back to it. I, like I definitely want to get back to it. Turns out moving doesn't leave a lot of time for, for games. Like I'm just at a point now where I have a TV set up with my consoles. It was like late last night. So I'm excited to finally play something. But Spiritfarer, I'm dying to get back to. Jeffum, are you going to keep Going with it, or where are you at with that thing? I never started Spirit Bear. Are you so. serious? You no, I, I don't think I was on that episode. Exactly. Uh, spent, or, sorry, <laughs> Alfredo writes in. He says, hello, cohorts. In the olden days of 2015, do you all recall, Game Informer had an awesome feature called The Essentials, where every week a Game Informer editor would contribute a game that they considered required reading for gamers. Below is a list of 14 games or at least that is how many I believe there are from Google searches because the Game Informer website hub is broken, and the editors that made the contributions. Can the cohorts guess or remember the 14 games on the Essentials list? Bonus points if you remember which editor added the games. 
I vaguely remember this. Yeah. I think we had some long-term plan to have like some, you know, database of essentials. Right. We made it 14 games. Yep. And I believe this was spearheaded by Mike Futter, a former news editor. Yeah, that sounds right. So there might be a clue for the first one. <laughs> uh, Mike Futter. Correct. Is the what one? is the game that Mike Futter submitted as the number one essential game to play? It's. It was probably something controversial, I bet, internally. I guarantee it is not. I would argue it's the oh, okay. least controversial. Mario Brothers. Nope. Think about... If Game Informer had to rank the greatest games of all time, Ocarina of The Legend no. of Zelda. Uh, Link to the Past. Thank you, Surreal. Link to the Past. Mike Futter submitted that one. Correct. Does anybody have any other guesses? Uh, I'm guessing uh, Doom is going to be on there. Oh, Doom submitted by Jeffum. The last one submitted. <laughs> Way to go, Jeffum. I killed it. I think <laughs> I might have written about Limbo. Incorrect. Okay, because if you were, it wasn't rounded like up later. Here. Like that would seem like a weird push. Like it's like we have you're going to write about Limbo. We don't even have Ocarina of Time on here yet. <laughs> you're right. You know? Wait, uh, World of Warcraft is that on there? It is not. <laughs> Figure with Dan and Andy there, one of them would have written about it. Yeah. Did, did I mean maybe can we go with the editors first? Maybe like yeah. some kind of hint or okay. Well, here we go. Uh, Kyle, you wrote okay, one, two, three, four, five of these. Five of the 14. You know what? I, 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 bet, I was going to say, who was on weekend news back then? Oh, interesting. I, was, I bet I wrote a lot, a lot of those on the weekend. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, how many did you say? It was like five. five or something? Five. Okay, okay what so would you... Pick Ross 3D. Um... <laughs> Incorrect. What would you think are the five most essential games, Kyle? <laughs> Come on. Portal? Is there a Grand, Th- a Grand Theft Auto 3, actually? <laughs> no. No? There's got to be uh, Tetris. You know what? You know what? Tetris, I'm getting no. confused between Essentials, and then we also had the Moments oh, feature that we were, yeah. wrote. Don't, and I, wrote I don't know why you'd be confused. about GTA 3. This is much harder than it should be. Halo? I don't know. Did we not do Tetris? <laughs> There's so No, it's not Tetris. These are like juggernauts, you guys. Ocarina of Time? <laughs> no. <laughs> Somehow, My favorite game of all time? That is a juggernaut, though. Kyle, you wrote oh, five really? of them. Five. Portal? Portal 2? No. Half-Life 2? Oh, no. <laughs> Half-Life. Half-Life, Half-Life 1, one. Kyle put on there. Yes. There we go. I oh, my God. One. Okay. I don't know. This is... I. If I didn't write about Ocarina of Time... Maybe Yoshi's Island? Did I write about Yoshi's Island? No. Super Mario World? They, we wouldn't have let you put Yoshi's Island on there. Uh, Super Mario World? Have. No. We're a lot of Yoshi's Island's fan at Game Boy. No, we didn't. Shay wrote about Super Mario 64... Okay. Okay, you guys, okay. seriously, think about like greatest games of all time. What's what? Super Mario Brothers Mega Man 3. X. Killer 7. Mega Man X. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, Kyle, what'd you say? Mega Man X. Um, no. Jeff, what was I doing? Super Mario Brothers about? 3. Super Mario Brothers, no, there's no more Mario on this list. What? Just Mario 64? Just, Just Mario, Mario 64. 64. It's only essential oh according to this short Majora's Mask? <laughs> <laughs> no, bigger, <laughs> bigger stuff. I wrote five of these. Five of these. <laughs> uh, Mass Effect. I wouldn't know that. No. Well, I was. I, I was just okay. Okay, here we go. Read. Um, Matt Miller wrote about a game that people love the story in. It was so. Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 7 is on there from Joe Juba, but it's not the one I'm thinking of. Okay. 
It's so Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger is on there from Kim. Correct. All right. But this game that Miller wrote about, he was, some would say, dripping with enthusiasm. Bioshock? Salivating. Wet. There we go. Like yeah, it was oh. wet, ladies and gentlemen. No, this is Bioshock. <laughs> uh, Kyle, you wrote about a game that, uh, let's say you devoted an entire paragraph to the flora and fauna of this game. What? <laughs> Let me know if you have any questions about the what? flora or fauna around here. Flower. Oh, be <laughs> no! I never finished. Austin Powers. The Austin Powers was my shag me tie-in video game video <laughs> cartridge for the Game Boy Advance that had a calculator and an operating oh system God. on it. Right. Um, you know what? There's a there's we're trying to get this one, but I'd argue in terms of this list, the best is yet to come. And credits theme Zelda to this game. <laughs> and credits theme while mushrooms are growing in the forest, and a character says, "My name is David." Now let's get on this snowmobile and ride off into the sunset. Oh, Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid. There we go. By the way, Serial, I've been meaning to ask you, could you do your impersonation of Liquid Snake uh, doing an Austin Powers quote? (laughs) Snake, do I make you horny, baby? Dude. That was Metal Gear Solid 2, that quote. I wanted one from what? No. Um, Jeff, um, it's a bit nutty. Wait, oh, wait real boy. quick. Yeah. I wrote about Metal Gear Solid 3 or 1? One? 1. And I have a paragraph about the flora, flora and fauna? No, that was, I was trying to think of just a quote from the game that was a little offbeat. I can't just give it away. You failed. I disagree. <laughs> um, let's see. Jeff, um, you wrote about a game that... Um, well, I did more than one of these? Yep. You you wrote about this one by yourself, but you probably didn't play this game by yourself. Left for Dead. Left for Dead. Way to go. Mm. Kyle, I, I understand why you're having a tough time trying to think of this game, because it was written a long time ago. Time. <laughs> it Braid? Was, no. The other one <laughs> that we just talked about like last week or something. Might be getting remade. Prince of Persia. Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. There we go. That sounds like something I'd write. Yeah. Matt Miller wrote about this game. I don't know. It got a 9.5 and then it got a 10 from Game Informer. Last of Us? Last of Us. There we go. Tim Turry wrote about the Tim Turrius Tim Turry game. Resident Evil. Resident Evil. Way to go. Kyle Hilliard wrote about this game. <laughs> okay. All right. Good hit. Uh, <laughs> and it is a, a staggering work it's gigantic it shadow is of the shadow, shadow of the shadow colossus. colossus jeff cork uh, wrote about this game um, Robo. <laughs> <laughs> no jeff cork played it a lot in college where he focused on a character that animal crossing. really liked kicking animal crossing mortal kombat i guess that did sound like it <laughs> no, not Xeno quite. Xeno Warrior Princess? <laughs> yep, Jack Park wrote about Xeno Warrior Princess on the PlayStation 1. No, sorry, Street Fighter 2. What does Chun-Li's uh-huh. kick sound like? Uh, I think she just goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, boy, yeah. I was way yeah. off. I was confusing her. <laughs> you were, gonna, great. You, oh, you were confusing Chun-Li and Liu Kang? Oh yeah, you're right. I'm confusing all these characters now. I don't know what's going on. Okay, anyways, thank you. Um, yes, good times. Um, I, did you guys see? By the way, Game Informer revealed their new cover story. Yeah, what's um, the name of it? Oh. What's the full name of that game, Hanson? <laughs> Ember, Spirit <laughs> of the Whales. <laughs> it's uh, 
Keta Bridge of Spirit. Keta, there we go. Uh, I'm looking forward to learning more that's about cool. that game. That's a cool yeah. choice. I love that, like, just that highlighting game. that indie I'm, game I choice. I think the, the day that game, the week that week, uh, the week that game releases, I'm going to ask you the name of it and see if you remember. You could ask me the name of that game while I'm playing it. <laughs> What's the name of that game, Hanson? <laughs> I don't know. As you're staring uh, at the title screen. Sam Morrow writes in and says, Good day. What is the most mundane thing you have to do in a video game that is actually fun in real life? Wait, hold on. I want to know what else I wrote. What were the other ones? <laughs> we listed them all, you Shadow of Colossus, Metal Gear Solid, Prince of Persia, and they're like You two wrote more? Metal Gear Solid, Half-Life, Prince of Persia, Half-Life. Oh. Shadow of the Colossus, and... Hangman X? No. Maybe it's only four. I don't okay. Know. All right. Anyway, Sam Morrow says, Good day. What is the most mundane thing you have to do in a video game that is actually fun in real life? He follows it up with, can anything rival having to eat in a survival game versus the thrill of getting to eat in real life? <laughs> that's a very good one. That is, a good that one. is pretty good. That, that is probably the one, right? I think that's the or one. Or going to sleep. Sometimes that can be really obnoxious in a game, but you look forward to it all day. Do you really? In real life. That's yeah, sad. That's How often do you think about, God, I can't wait to go to sleep? Oh, I mean... <laughs> around 11 o'clock every night usually because the rest of my family stays up really late and then I want to go to bed and no one else is ready. Your little baby daughter stays up that late? It's a problem. Oh my god. How do you get her to sleep? (laughs) I say I'm going to bed. Going to bed. (laughs) Take care of yourself. (laughs) Great. Super Mario. Uh, I was Oh yes. I was going to say going on a walk. Mm, Yeah. People don't like walking in video games. Because right. you're always running, first of all. That's if you true. have to walk in a game, it's torture. Especially like matching a pace with somebody else walking. Something you do a lot in real life. That, well, mm, if you're going out yeah. a walk with a little bit You can't just hold a button. That's right. Well, I, I don't see what the problem is. Usually when I'm outside with other people, I'm usually running circles around them as they're walking. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Super and they, don't, they, they continue with their story. On, yeah, on we, well, we have a conversation while this is happening, for sure. Getting too far away from Target. Uh, <laughs> and then so- I die, yeah. <laughs> That's how my grandma went. Um, uh, Super Mario. <laughs> Don't we all? Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, Super Mario writes in, settle me this, not including Coke. What is the best soda? We call it pop here in Minnesota. What's the Dr. best? Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper best uh, pop? Uh, Peach Fanta. Peach Fanta. Peach Fanta. You, you can only freak. get them at like those weird uh, remake, like Coke remix machines. Yeah. The invisible hand is spoken. Don't sell Peach Fanta. It's the best flavor. Oh, <laughs> don't knock it till you try it. I'm peach, sure I peach have. Flavored stuff. I mean, it's no the best. Yeah, thank you, Kyle. I like some <laughs> peach gummies, but outside of that, uh, does cherry coke count? I don't think so. Because yeah, good. I think I think cherry coke and coke oh. are number one and number two. But outside of coke, Jeff, I'm anything. Um, yeah, I'd have to go with Dr Pepper, Mr yeah. Pib. I don't need any yeah. of that fancy fake doctor. Yeah, crap. hell yeah! <laughs> I want a I want a uh, soda manufacturer I can get a beer with, not some smarty yeah. doctor. <laughs> I don't need. I, I don't even know what twenty three flavors feel like. All right, I don't need that many. I want a pop I can get a beer with. Um, <laughs> crater. Oh, by the way, uh, people in the backstage pass uh, are demanding code red and Mountain Dew hashtag gamers. So well, they're uh, gonna have to up their patrons here if they yeah. want code red. <laughs> What if one of our tiers was just you get a you get a code red? We ship game. you out one code <laughs> red. Do you guys remember OK Cola? No, no. That was just all the. It was all the other colas like put together, and it 
it didn't taste well and it didn't do well, but mm. it was a thing for a while. What do you, How do you also, not they named it, also, they named it OK, which is a great. <laughs> just, what do you mean? Modern. How do you license that? All, I don't know. All the other colas put together? It's just like generic variants of everything? I, I, I mean, they didn't say that, but that's what oh. it tasted like. Oh, I see. I like ginger ale's too. Ginger ale soda is good. No doubt. No doubt about it. Oh, root beer. <laughs> I think root beer. I think root beer is caffeine free. So at that point, what are you doing? What? Wasting your time. Is what Wasting you're doing. your time. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Matthew. Don't Wendell waste my Lee. time with this caloric drink that I'm about to drink. <laughs> Matthew Weatherly says, "I recently purchased and played a short hike after your glowing recommendation. I now have no pants on because that game charmed them right off me." Uh, I would have never bought this I game. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> I'm cold. I would have never bought this game without your recommendation as it didn't seem like anything special and the art style did not appeal to me. What was the last game you played purely on someone's recommendation that turned out to be great? Also, have you considered a MinMax Select segment every month where the MinMax host suggests a must-play game that we may have otherwise looked, other, may have otherwise overlooked? I feel like that's the main show. I don't know. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, Creeks, I had no intention of playing, but yeah. Ben Reeves messaged me directly and said you should play Creeks. And then Beaten Down Brian, a longtime Min Max supporter, also messaged me directly and said I should check out Creeks. And I played and beat it and enjoyed it. I wouldn't say it was like great. Like it wasn't like this amazing, life changing experience, but it was really good and I'm glad yeah. I played it. Beaten Down Brian also that, lit himself that on means fire. They think you're mediocre, though, Kyle. Is... Oh. Okay. <laughs> In a sweet yeah. way, though. But, Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, Beaten Down Brian also lit himself on fire trying to get us to play Plague Tale Innocence. And we did. And oh, below, we did. We did yeah, I guess I checked that out. Playing huh? through that game. What's that? Like over the holidays. You did? Yeah. <gasps> Thank you, Beaten Down Brian. Beaten Down Brian? Well, because a lot of, like I think GameSpot put it as like one of their top 10 games of the year, too. So it's mm. like, usually for me, it's like if more than one person is recommending it really strongly, then I'll probably check it out. Yeah. There we go. But the, Beaten uh, Down Brian was definitely like, yeah, trumpeting that game a lot. <laughs> yeah. I I played Round Guard solely because Leo recommended it. That's right. That's right. Thank you, son Leo. Uh, Crater says, oh, by the way, a new watch later from Leo Vader going up on Friday. You get early access if you're a Patreon supporter. So new Ooh. video, I said, should be fun. I don't know what it's about. Does anybody know what it's about? We can find out. Surprise. Early find access. Out. What's that movie with Mark Ruffalo where they're in the newspaper? No, it's like they're the newspaper. They're the Boston yeah. Globe. Do you know the what Post. Yeah, no. it's not the post. the post. No, it's not the post. Hang on. I'm not going to Google this. I'm going to figure this out. Oh, Michael God. Keaton. Pay, uh, yeah. Byline. Um, no. Uh, it's the name of the segment, of the section of the yeah. paper. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen this movie. Spotlight. Yeah, Spotlight. Yeah. There's a scene in that movie where they have a new editor-in-chief, and like he's trying to get Spotlight to pursue this one story. And they're like, eh, here's the thing. With Spotlight, we don't really tell them what to do. They just do what they think is best, and then the the, the new editor in chief like has to sort of like be like. There's a scene where he's like, "Well, I would strongly encourage you to consider this idea if you don't mind." And I think of that every time we try to give Leo ideas for watch later. I think right. of that scene because it's kind of like we know that he's like he's got it covered. Like he can yeah. do so he's going to do something great. He doesn't need any influence from us. But every time we like have like, hey, this is an idea you might like. I think of that scene of them trying to convince Michael Keaton, like, hey, this is, this might be fun. You should try this. <laughs> I know. And I feel like such, I, I soften all those recommendations a lot. Like, Leo, 
zero pressure to ever do this, but like just to throw something on the pile if you want to check it out. I was thinking about this as kind of a silly idea, but please, we're we're 100% certain any idea you have will be better than this idea that I'm about to say, but here's the idea. (laughs) Yeah. You can watch Leo come up with those ideas and actually create Watch Later if you're at that backstage past here as well on Patreon. Uh, It's cool that he streams himself editing that. It's a fun way to learn how the magic gets made. Crater. Crater writes in and says, Burning question. God, this question speaks to my soul. What is the correct number of games to bring on vacation to balance your need for games, your fear of losing games, and overpacking? I, oh, this stresses me out. Especially like on Switch even. It's like, oh, what should I play? Because even going out to like our little lake place thing, it's like, I think just bringing one game is the secret. Just focusing on one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did learn that pretty early, like working at Game Informer and traveling, because like my first couple trips, I was yeah. like, well, I'm going to bring my P- I'm going to bring my Vita and my 3DS. Right. And then like I just found that every time I just found one game that I really got into and played, and it was like, well, I'm just carrying around this Vita and its charger for no reason. So yep. I th- I honestly think that like just one, like having some on your hard drive, you know, is good. You know, keep Smash Brothers on there for fun, but like having like one that you will focus on, I think is is pretty smart actually, and you know good yeah like i brought um last time i was out the lake i brought paper mario because so i'm like i'm going to just go whole hog on paper mario this weekend can't wait ended up playing like another hour and i still like that game more than i expected but i just have not focused on it and i've at this point i think the little origami ship is sailing off into the great big ocean <laughs> oh, no. but like i don't think i'll get to it and it but i liked it surreal i was not too yeah. pissy about it i was preparing to be pissy about paper mario but it's it's very funny do you ever feel like in that game though serial like i love paper mario a lot the first two games some of my favorite games of all time but once i realized every character in the new games have to be quirky and go for a joke or like a silly thing there's so a certain level i feel like it's kind of overkill like you need some straight characters in this universe and every character in that game is Funny, like there's, I've legitimately laughed out loud several times playing that game, but at a certain point, it's like, everybody's a comedian in this game? What is happening? Especially with the Toads, there's definitely yeah. like, yeah, everyone has, when you find them, especially everyone has to give like their quirky one-liners. And it, I think the quality quality in those varies from like, okay to good. But like, yeah. some of them are just like, I don't even, this joke is fine, but you don't need this many. But mm-hmm. I think Olivia ends up acting as like a pretty good, like, she has her own funny moments, but for the most part, she's just kind of like, the exposition character. You're right. So like yeah. She works as a decent counterbalance. And then some of the party members are also foils in that way. But early on, they definitely do lay it on hard because you don't have anyone else to bounce off of. It's just like, here's all these characters being very, you know, yeah, like you said, quirky. Yeah. Um, okay, Muffin Crumbs writes in with a game. Muffin Crumbs says, hello all, I have a little game for you guys. I've called List Off or F Off. I'll give you a word, and then you have to list a game title that begins with that word. If you can't come up with a title, F off, i.e. you're out. The round repeats until only one person is remaining. Okay. How are you feeling about this? So just going around the horn. Sure. Um, okay. Hang on. Am I playing in this too, then? I Could guess, I because it's not like you don't have the answers, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, although, I guess we have to see if these are because I think we're going to be naming a lot of games and they will not be exactly right so that I'll have that ready to go for double checking okay Serial start us off with Sonic 
the hedgehog. Kyle? So I have to do another Sonic? Yeah. Oh, adventure. Okay. Jefflin? Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Sonic Adventure 2. Hang on, hang on. So, myself, Serial, Kyle, Jeff. Oh, sorry. I got I got the order confused. Sorry. But okay, jump back up to Serial now. Can I say Sonic Adventure 2? Yes, you can. Uh, Sonic <laughs> Sonic Adventure 2. All right, Kyle. Sonic Colors. Sonic and Mario at the Olympics. Ooh. Ah. Uh, I think it's Mario and Sonic at the Olympics. Oh, it is Mario and Sonic. It is not the same thing. You're yeah. out of here, buddy. Um, yeah, Mario is first on that call sheet. That's right. Uh, Sonic uh, Sonic and the Black Knight. Sonic and the Secret Rings. Sonic Boom. Sonic Generations. Sonic and Knuckles. Sonic Colors DS. Sonic 3D Blast. Uh... Uh, Sonic Heroes. Sonic and Knuckles. Did we say that already? Ooh, yeah. you're out of here. <laughs> um, Sonic Blast. Sonic Rush. Sonic the Hedgehog 4. Ooh. Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Jeff, Jeff Marty said it. Oh. Yeah. Hell yeah. I finally get to play a game. Thank you, Muffin Crumbs. Um... Oh my god. Okay. Dead. I'm going to go with Dead Island. Left for Dead? Incorrect. Has to start wow. with Dead. Wait, it has to, I thought it just had to contain it. No, it has to no. start with that. Oh, I totally missed something. Okay. All right, Kyle. Dead Space. Dead Rising. Dead Space 2. Dead Space 3. Dead Rising 2. Dead Space Extraction. Dead Space Ignition. Dead Rising 3. <laughs> um, oh, what is that thing called? Um, I think... How much time do you get here? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Cue Sonic drowning it, music. Dead Rising 2 Off the Record? Is that what that thing was called? All right. I'll, no. I'll allow it. It's standalone. That's the Xbox Live Arcade game. It's like one of the most successful yeah. Xbox Live Arcade games ever released. I think. It, no, Off the Record was the uh, expansion that had hit that had Frank West in it instead of uh, the main character from 2. Oh. Well, what am I thinking of then? You're thinking of the prequel game that was like, yeah, the downloadable game that was... Uh, yeah, which you can still pretty- say if you want, but yeah, Dead Rising 2 is a standalone thing. So I think that counts. Oh, so you're still in, right? I think so. Okay, Dead to Rights. Whew. Very good. Dead Island 2. You're Not out! out. But does it count? What? I guess. There's no dead. Well, yeah, it's not out. It's not a game. It's, it's a game. game? It is a game. It's not a game. Can you play it? How it's is a it? game. Is it I think we count that, but that's, that's no, squirrely. No, absolutely not. That game has been more or less canceled. It's not out. Dead Space 4. It right? hasn't been canceled. Wow. Wait, I'm going to jump back to Dead Space 5. 
<laughs> like honestly, like I. All right, okay, yeah, it's and not out. All right, upcoming you're action right. role playing game. All right, Jeff from Europe, get out of there. Details of Microsoft Windows. Okay. Um, Sorry, I don't know why I got so adamant about that. <laughs> no, I think that's fair. You're right. That's slippery slope. Um, but I actually forgot that it hadn't come out. So <laughs> fair enough. Oh crap, Kyle! Did you just say dead to rights? Okay, yeah. then I'm out. Dead to rights too. Oh, <laughs> well done, well done. Uh, uh, great Island work. Riptide, right? That was one we skipped. Oh yeah. Dead Wait, what daylight. was the um? Dead by daylight. Yeah. Yep. What was the piece of crap Dead Island downloadable game? I, man, I don't know. I know what you're talking about, but I do revered. not remember what the subtitle is. Oh my god! It's like a third-person action game that I played at a Comic Con, and I remember thinking like, oh, "This is actually kind of interesting." And then, like, the review came out, and it was like, nope, this is uh, awful. <laughs> the nice thing is... Escape Dead Island? Yep, it wouldn't have counted oh, anyway. It's Escape Dead Island yeah. from Fat Shark. What else has Fat Shark made? They made Lead and Gold, and they made the Bionic Commander Rearm 2, which is a good game. Oh, there we go. I not like, but I like it. A lot of Warhammer yeah. stuff in there. Hamilton's Great Adventure in 2011. Oh, it says right here, Lin-Manuel Miranda really likes this game. Weird. Oh, I don't think it's the Hamilton, but still. Okay, thank you so much, Muffin Crumbs, for writing in with that game. That's great. Um, what do y'all like for a question of the week? Hmm. Uh, let's see. Looking at I like the stupid essentials thing. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually did enjoy that. Is that a winner? Yeah. I'd be up for that. Great. Essentials. Congratulations, Alfredo. You just won the vinyl soundtrack from our friends at I Am 8-Bit. Uh, they will ship that out to you, the vinyl soundtrack to uh, the Messenger. Thank you so much. And now it's time for something that we call Get a Load of This. Serial. Okay, uh, this will be a quick one. Uh, last week I did not get to celebrate this, but uh, it is August 26th marks the 10th anniversary of what is probably my favorite tweet of all time. Mm. Uh, so on August 26th, 2010, uh, the the tweet is, I can't believe my grandmother's taking me, uh, making me take out the garbage. I'm rich. F- this. I'm going home. I don't need this S. Sorry, I, I should have censored both of those. Uh-huh. Uh, that was delivered by one 50 Cent, the rapper. <laughs> Uh, 10 years ago, it is probably Beautiful. my favorite tweet of all time. This is from an era of Twitter where... The real the the appeal of Twitter was watching celebrities uh, right. act like normal people. Uh, so I'm this rich. is maybe the epitome of that. Uh, I like just having a Twitter search is- up for "I'm rich." I'm sure you get a lot of good <laughs> stuff in there. That's very good, Kyle. Uh, let's see. So this is I actually don't have a ton of information about this, but like we'll have the tweet shared in the um in the show notes and stuff. But there's this thing called Rhythm Heaven Reanimated. What? And it's like this YouTube video. Let me see how long it is. I haven't watched the full thing yet, but it's like, it's pretty long. And it's, yeah, it's about 20 minutes long. And it's a bunch of animators just like picking their favorite Rhythm Heaven mini games and like doing a fan animation of that. And then everything's like mashed together in one long Rhythm Heaven song. Is that so true? So it's like a whole bunch of different styles. Wow. What's that? I said, is that true? Uh, God dang it! I can't remember. Gabba dabba dabba. Is that what it is? <laughs> that's that's the free. Gabba dabba dabba. That true? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, you know me, guy. guy. <laughs> oh, there you go. But uh, yeah, it's it's cool. I watched some of it. I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch the full twenty minute video, but it's like all kinds of 
familiar rhythm heaven games and different animation styles. That's super stuff. fun. It's really cool. I love that. That's yeah. great. Jeffum? Hey, get a load of this. Uh, this is some weird Fortnite news. I don't know if I don't know how closely you guys have been following Fortnite, but they they put out that shot for shot remake of the old Apple commercial. Yeah, you guys saw that yep. stuff. Yep, 1984. Uh, and so I, that led me down this weird rabbit hole of like all of the propaganda, basically that Fortnite has been putting out because of this whole deal that they've gotten into with Apple Apple removing Fortnite from from their app store and stuff. Yeah. But apparently they they have a free Fortnite campaign. Like that's been the theme of <laughs> the season right. that was going on. Yeah. Uh, and it includes a Tart Tycoon outfit that you can win. That's basically a guy with a big apple for a head. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched the, the, the remake of their commercial and it ends with a message popping up that says Epic Games has defied the app store monopoly. In retaliation, Apple is blocking Fortnite from a billion devices. Join the fight to stop 2020 from becoming 1984. Just from where have you been? I think we talked about this on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys? Yes. Oh, yeah. You should listen oh, to the well. Mid-Max show. Uh, then did you talk about Ridley Scott? No, no. Reacting to it? No, we no. haven't. That part, no. Yeah. So, so IGN, you know, like interviewed him and he said... That he thought the animation was I was terrific. The I, well, hold on, you, you skipped you skipped an important detail. Ridley Scott directed the original commercial, yes, which is why yeah. They so it was his, it was a shot yeah. for shot remake of his of his yes. commercial. Yes, he he said it was great. He said I sure have seen it, and I wrote them. I wrote to them because on one hand I can fully I can be fully complimented by the fact that they copied my commercial shot for shot, but pity the message is so ordinary when they could have been talking about democracy or more powerful things. And they didn't use that opportunity. You like his message? Yeah, it it really does put into perspective that these are two billion dollar companies squabbling over something that's totally stupid. Yeah, but I, it, it was it was a. I'm sorry that you guys had already talked about it, but that's it was right. a weird rabbit hole of like, holy crap! Like they are they are totally trying to politicize their entire fan base against this. Totally rational business decision that oh, Apple made. Well, look, we can't repeat the whole thing. Go back and listen to that episode, Jeff. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about there. Um, sure. Yeah, mine's mine's a bummer, but it's uplifting in a way. Uh, there is a documentary on Disney Plus called Howard about uh, Howard Ashton, who wrote uh, a lot of the music for Beauty and the Beast, for um, uh, Little, Mermaid, Little Mermaid for yeah. Aladdin, uh, more specifically tailoring to my entire childhood, uh, Little Shop of Horrors, which I probably learned that at some point, but it wasn't until watching that documentary where it's like, oh my God, to think that like this guy wrote the music for all those songs and then for Little Shop of Horrors, which also was a huge deal for me as a kid. I watched so much. Uh, but this documentary on Disney Plus called Howard, um, talking about his life um, and you know his battle with AIDS by the end. Um, but it's a sad little note, but I thought it was just fascinating where um, his partner talks about how uh, his business partner, I f- I'm sorry, I forget their name, but they talk about how they wrote the lyrics and they're working on the lyrics to Prince Ali in the hospital while Howard was on his deathbed. It's just like huh. a, such a weird reframing of that entire thing. And there, <laughs> it's a very fun documentary moment. Fun is a, a tough phrase here, but uh, where... The documentary is framing it like, oh, you know, they're trying to mirror his decline in health with moments from the songs that like kind of 
touch on that. They're like, oh, there's a cut song from Jafar where he was talking about taking everything from Aladdin in the prime of his life, just like what was happening to Howard and connecting like, oh, don't you know, like the Beast and Beauty of the Beast, it's talking about, uh, you know, how people regard homosexuals in that era, stuff like that. And then they have an interview with Howard's sister where she's like, no, he's a professional. He would never mix and match that. He would never try to slide any of his personal <laughs> point of view. He's like, he did a great job and he cared a lot about the work, but like, no, there's stop trying to read into this. It's not, not the case. Uh, oh, but anyways, boy. check that uh, documentary out. It's, it's good. It's one of those documentaries that would work better as a podcast documentary. Like visually, there's very little going on, but there's still like, there's fun footage of him like directing the actress for Ariel. Like, oh no, you have to sing uh, the song like this. And it's just a very fun, like in studio session stuff. Um, Anyways, do you want to pull one from the community, Jeff? Um, we have uh, the yeah, wonderful yeah. get a load of this channel from the MinMax Discord that you get access yeah, to. Yeah, get a load of this. Uh, the community is talking about this game called Fortnite. I don't know if you guys have heard. <laughs> What's the deal with Apple? Uh, no, Marvel but, heroes in there now. That's right. Uh, this one comes from that flow state. He he shared a a tweet from a guy named Sean Allen who uh, he made a video that's called Werner Herzog narrates Fall Guys. And he he, <laughs> he put together all these clips, kind of like a documentary of Werner Herzog narrating what's going on with these little beans in their life. And it is very good. Are they taking is actual it... Herzog clips? No. Okay. I, I, it's him doing a very good impression of that Werner Herzog. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. The links are below. Thank you for being here, everybody. Hopefully, if you're an audio listener, you didn't notice too much of a shift. Um, if you are watching the video version of this, um, look forward to more of a set tomorrow. It won't just be the the gaping nothingness. Ah! Um, but thank you for your support during this time. So we appreciate it. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a transition time. And Kyle, congratulations again on the new job, man. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Would you like to plug their Twitter account or anything you'd like to plug at this point? Um. Yeah, nothing to plug. I mean, it's Game Mill ENT, I think, on Twitter. But there I mean, we go. You can go check that out, I guess. When are you actually starting? Uh, the fifteenth of September of this month. So, okay. got a little time here to relax and clean the house. Is that priority number one? Cleaning the house. That's priority number one, baby. That sounds great. Well, please enjoy that. And thanks again to everybody that supports us. Uh, these are the folks that support us at the fifty dollars tier. Captain Stubbs won the Bam Box. I am eight bitch. You are hello. Marco Rico Torreno. Time Bomb Tom. Tyler Carver. Zachary Pluggy. Beaten down Brian. Rebecca Lang. Brian with a Y. Mark Seliga. Andrew Valla. Ludwig Roque. Jesse Vitelli. Brett Hunter. Thomas Hoster. Snake Twenty Four. Yarrow. Rob Hudak. William Garcia. Tom Blackburn. Spiral in your eyes. Scott Castro. Thomas Hankins. Richard Smuts. JT Fell. Spider Dan. Paul Arias. Andrew Sand. Chris, Steve Bamdad, Matthew Paxton, and Cameron Wardlaw. Thank you so much, everybody. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go.